Guess what, cinephiles? I've just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S., so you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN. Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They're on ExpressVPN. So you can, you can gain access to like thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to the stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using ExpressVPN. And it's incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S to get three extra months completely free. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Hi, this is Steve. Ever since we had Sasha Pearl Raver on to discuss Pulp Fiction, we knew we wanted her back. After a few emails, we finally settled on one of her favorite films, Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy. We were actually about to record it when there was a sudden seismic shift in the culture. It began with the scandals surrounding Harvey Weinstein and seemed to grow exponentially, engulfing Hollywood, the media, and even the federal government. And of course, it was Weinstein that discovered Kevin Smith, and many would describe the film itself as misogynistic, homophobic, insensitive, and in many ways even more offensive today than it was when it came out over 20 years ago. There are also a fair number of people who would describe Chasing Amy as not only really funny, but even heartfelt and strangely insightful. Still, all three of us decided to exercise the better part of valor and postpone our recording for a few months. 
I, for one, really needed time to figure out exactly how I wanted to handle these particularly combustible topics. The delay, I think, resulted in a much better podcast. And if you want to find out what John and our special guest, Sasha Pearl Raver, think about Chasing Amy, all you have to do is tune in this Friday to the latest episode of The Cinephiles. I know what we have to do. And then you, Panky, you, Alyssa, and I, all of us, can finally be all right. Please don't say it. We've all got to have sex together. And welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker, directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roke. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, I guess writer, producer, host now uh, over at Collider and um, numerous other things around town. And if you've been following me lately, I just voiced over some Square Enix stuff for Final Fantasy, which is starting to happen. So it's very cool. That's nice. Uh, but yes, other than that, lover of movies. That's yes. what I would say. And we have a movie, maybe this feels like almost our most controversial movie to be doing at this moment how in ironic, time. How ironic yeah. that this movie is the most controversial movie. I'm just saying. Because it was controversial even when it came out initially. And now in a totally different way. In a completely yeah. different way for so many reasons. Um, but we knew we couldn't tackle this movie without the perfect guest. Uh, and and think, so... we found it. And we found it, right. It, those of you who remember Sasha Pearl Raver from our Pulp Fiction podcast, she was our guest there. And those of you who know Sasha Pearl Raver as the host of FX Movie Download, she's been on numerous things all across uh, our industry, and it's our joy. And she's eight and a half months pregnant, Yeah, and she's taking yeah. the time uh, <laughs> with her uh, unopened gifts, sitting there staring at her in the face. And we are in her house, and she's very graciously uh, uh, let us come into her house to record this podcast with her. So, Sasha Provert, welcome back to The Cinephiles. Thank you so much. And had we recorded Pulp Fiction this week... <laughs> Just imagine. I can't. Just I can't possibly imagine what would have happened. Yeah, I'm very not true. prepared for that. Uh, nobody's prepared the, for that. I'm the, very conflicted. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure you are. Well, what we should say is that we actually intended on recording this episode several months ago, yeah. and it was literally the week that the Harvey Weinstein thing happened, yeah. and all of the the beginning of what has become a tremendous movement worldwide, the Me Too movement, and at the time. I think we all said, let's wait, because the movie is Chasing Amy, and Chasing Amy, more than almost any other movie I can think of, goes right at sexuality Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. men and women and what all this means and what is acceptable and what is not. And I feel like I should say something, which I've never said ever before on The Cinephiles, which is I want to offer a warning to those people listening to this, is that this movie discusses sex in a very frank way and has people saying things which may or may not be offensive and we're going to get into all that stuff and so if you usually listen to the cinephiles with your small children then maybe this is one that you're going to have a lot of conversations with your kids there's a black beauty joke coming your way (laughs) that you better be prepared for there's a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah yes maybe go out in the car and listen to this (laughs) away from your family yes sasha do you remember how you first came to this film i came to this film in a very special way a way that was really near and dear to my heart which is i was at usc studying film and there was a class called cinema 466 and 
and uh, a filmmaker involved in a movie that had not been released or was being released like the next day because it was a Thursday night class would come in screen their movie and talk about it so we had like Sam Mendes come in to talk about yeah. American Beauty and, right. and stuff like that and Kevin Smith who I was a huge fan of because of Clerks and Mallrats came in with Chasing Amy I nerded out so hard and I will always remember I I've never really asked for autographs but at the time I was like I have to get an autograph and he signed my cinema notebook uh to Sasha get the fuck out of LA you're too good for it here and I was like that's oh, awesome man, that's so cool I assume you still have it oh of course I still have it I was actually trying to find it but things are a little chaotic right now right. but yeah I and I just remember watching the movie and I didn't have a real Ben Affleck sense. No, All he was was like the yeah. guy from Dazing and Views at right, that point. Right. And Mallrats. Um, and Mallrats. Right, right. But I, he's, he's you know, he's such a jerk yeah. that you don't really follow him that much. And I just remember watching the movie and being so blown away by the frank vulgarity, the hilarious, charming vulgarity of it, but also how it dealt with relationships in a way that I had never seen before. So you saw it in, in Norris, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's so funny because I was at USC. <laughs> I, I predate you by probably like three years or something because I was getting my MFA there, and I had that same four sixty six class. Love that class. That class that was, was really best. cool. Really, really. Oh cool. man. Yeah, but I did not see Kevin Smith there. Do you remember how you first came to the film? Yeah, it wasn't at Cinema Four Sixty Six. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, we saw it at Florida State. It was like the first year I had come back to college. You know, I was just finishing up my eight years in the military, and I'd. Uh, you know, got accepted at Florida State, and I was figuring out if I was going to pursue a career as an actor or filmmaker, whatever, but I knew I was loving film, and so um, I remember this was a big deal because the independent films were the things that were the huge deal in the 90s, mid-90s, and on it was, they were exploring these topics that didn't get talked about, you know, unbearable lightness of being, sex lies in a videotape, like all these, Henry and June even, like these films that right. really approached the lines of sexuality and were forcing us as a society to talk about this. And then here comes Kevin Smith in such a different way, such a kind of duty, bro-y kind of way with clerks, but there was a there was a frankness and an interesting simplicity that he was, but you could see him like figuring it out in his movies. And I love that because I was too. And I think a lot of us at the time who were aware of this were like, oh, we didn't know. And so I couldn't wait to see this movie. And um, I loved uh, Mallrats. I was one of the few people that defended Mallrats to, and I loved Clerks. But Chasing Amy, just from the trailer, it felt like to me this was a more mature film like he was coming into his own as a filmmaker and this felt like something else and just like um sasha said i didn't know what to expect of affleck because we'd seen him be such a uh, a villain in a majority of the stuff that mm -hmm. he did and joey lauren adams i'd had a crush from the small part she had in mall rats i was like this is, she's so cute and also beautiful a small right. part in days and confused oh in days and confused right exactly <laughs> so, i haven't so, seen that in forever uh, i have like, no memory so of it at all the glitters yeah but yeah, so I went with a group of my friends. It was like four or five of us. And I remember sitting in Tallahassee in the theater watching it. And I just was blown away by the emotion of the film and what they tackled and the frankness of a lesbian sub. Like, what's that all about? Like, you don't, you weren't seeing that in films at that time. And so it was so amazing to experience it. I went back two or three more times before. Like, I went to the dollar theater to see it, you know, <laughs> that they have at universities sometimes because I just had to watch it over and over again. Um, 
that's where I saw it. No. I saw it. Uh, so I, I had heard about Clerks, but didn't see it. Mm. <gasps> and then, uh, I mean, I've seen it since. Okay. But I didn't see it when it, you know, <laughs> in, in, when it first come out. I didn't see it on video. And then, uh, but I'd heard, oh, his next movie, it's coming out as Mallrats. So I saw Mallrats before I saw Clerks. Oh. I rented that and I went, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, even it's though. It's a weird intro. It's so, it's so much out of, one of the funny things about Kevin Smith, I have a weird relationship with him he's like a year younger than me mm. and he's a heavy guy with a beard who's into comic books <laughs> and, a geek thing. and so and, and there was so much about him that reminds me of me and my friends mm -hmm. except mine was like the bay area version instead of the new jersey version and um and so when i saw Mallrats, i was like oh they're talking about all my stuff mm. i didn't like the movie that much and so chasing amy came out and i didn't see it right away and then i started hearing it's really good and we went to see it at the like cheap movie theater on colorado and pasadena oh, yeah. and just were blown away had that same experience of a the word you used i think is the key word for this movie which is frank yes. yeah there is i can't think it is so frank in the way that it deals with all the stuff it's going to jump into mm -hmm. and then has this core of some really real emotion that totally worked on me when i saw it it's and, an incredible mix of frank and respectful that's yeah. what's insane about the film well well this is the thing is that once you go we spend a lot of time being very delicate around mm -hmm. each other and being delicate in a weird way is also disrespectful depending on how you do it. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, it's like if you're never really truly engaging with someone, well, you're actually disrespecting them on some level. Mm. You know, now going directly at a thing, also be disrespectful. <laughs> and this is the line I think we're going to walk or I feel like I'm going to walk as we talk about this film yeah. is is like because we is because you laugh at something mean that you are saying that you agree with that. Right. You know, and this goes back to like uh this goes back to like Archie Bunker. In mm. I, I think like Archie Bunker and Banky are very similar in the sense of these are characters who are going to say things that are horrible, and yet we laugh at it and we like them on some fundamental level mm. and care wow. about them, you know. And I think that's sort of what is happening a little bit in this film. That's an amazing and very insightful comparison. I'd mm. never even thought about that, but it's so true. Well, and this is the thing, like we're currently in an age, and this is something that I've been thinking about since we started talking about this movie, where we're in the world of we have to really speak correctly and never mm -hmm. be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And in the 70s, the all in the family era was we're going to go right at this stuff and be offensive. And that's the only way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person who firmly believes in being completely respectful and sensitive to people at all times. And yet <laughs> I miss Archie Bunker. You know, yeah, and that's this complicated thing of like how we're going to deal with this. Um, we should talk a little bit about Kevin Smith, yeah. Um, is that his story? I, you said it so well, is that we had it was this moment of this birth of independent film, and then you have this guy from New Jersey who makes this little movie on, on credit cards, in, you know, in, in a convenience store, and this is and and this becomes a focal point for independent film in a very odd way. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of anti-mumblecore. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> that's one of the things that I find so interesting about him is nobody writes riffs and casts actors capable of delivering and improvising riffs better than he does. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, there is just poetry in a lot of what he does. Yeah. And some of it, you can tell, you can see like the Quentin Tarantino influence in a lot sure. of it. But you can also see that it was very much his own thing. And if you ever see him speak or listen to his podcast, you can hear like the way he writes is the way his brain works is the way he talks. Mm -hmm. And then he finds actors who can be his Do voice. All right. Well, and you can hear that these are the conversations with him and his friends and how the jokes they would all kind of make. And he made that poetry. Yeah. You said. Yeah. And it's funny too. Like I 
Kevin Smith is not my favorite filmmaker. He doesn't go on my list of top directors. I don't think he I, wants to be. Yeah. I don't think he wants well, to be. Well, also, like, like the vicissitudes of his career are real high, yeah. real low. Yeah. When he yeah. delivers a stinker, it's a stinker. Yeah. And when he delivers something great, it's really great. Yeah. Um, but where I think he is great, I think he's an amazing storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite Kevin Smith things are actually the Superman story, the you know, the uh, oh, his, Prince story. Yes. Like his speaking tours, mm-hmm. he is an incredible spoken word artist of some weird kind. Which is why when you get monologues in his films, they're, they're so good. So good. Yeah. Um, there's one story I heard about Clerks that I want to say because it's just so... Uh, he talks about how Clerks gets discovered. And without this story, there is no Kevin Smith, which is they go to like the New York film market and and because they hear that's where you sell the film. They have no money. <laughs> and they, they put the movie in a movie theater. It's going to show twice, I think. And it's him and Scott Mosier, who's the producer, who shows up in this film. And they all, they just put up like, you know, things on, on telephone poles and, and walls saying, come see this movie clerks. And the first screening, literally nobody shows up. They're all alone in a theater, which I've been that person. It's, oh. it's brutal. And there's a guy whose name I don't remember. And he is heading off to Europe and he's in New York and he's heading to his flight and he calls into the, to the airline and they say, Oh, your flight's delayed four hours. So he goes, oh, what am I going to do four hours? And he, he, he walks by the uh, a po- you know, telephone pole, and there's this sign. And so he goes, oh, I guess I'll go see this movie. He goes into a movie theater. Maybe there's three other people mm-hmm. there. He thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. Oh, my God. And his best friend writes for The Village Voice, and his other really close friend works for Harvey Weinstein in, in Miramax. Wow. Whoa. And he makes two phone calls. Whoa. And that is why that is why Kevin Smith exists today. Whoa. Now, I might not be telling exactly, because I heard this story a long time ago, right. uh, but it's on the clerk's commentary track. And it's just like, this just shows how much luck plays yeah. in this thing is one person mm-hmm. happened to have their flight canceled, and that is why this is happening right sure. now. Damn. Yeah. That's kismet. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And as we said, clerks, you know, clerks goes to Sundance and it's this huge surprise hit, you know, makes the deal with Miramax. The the movie is a, a big hit. They give him ball rats. It doesn't do so well. And now we come back with Chasing Amy, which is a fairly small, uh, fairly independent film. But also, yeah. I also think we don't get Chasing Amy if Mallrats doesn't kind of flounder. That's because right. it forces him to go deeper. It forces him to tackle a subject that's that uh, pushes the boundaries of what he can do because he fell back on mall rats, kind of like Snatch with uh, Lockstock at Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know this. I can play these notes. And then you, he maybe he realized, like, okay, I've got to do something, uh, something bigger, something just, I got to have something to say, which is what the whole premise is of the movie, right? right. This idea of finding something personal to say. And I felt like, I feel like that's what I meant earlier. He's working things out within himself through his films, and you can see it happening. And I love that about his movies because he doesn't present himself as like, I'm Antonio Nini or I'm this, I'm Fellini. He's like, no, <laughs> I've got an idea. I'm figuring out. I cast these people. I wrote the script. I'm trying to work something out. And I love that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, totally. And, and, and what's interesting is you have a sense of this is a conversation within his, within his own head. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, just as you say, he's working it out. Yeah. And the movie, this is an indie film. I mean, is, is the budget bigger than Clerks? Oh, yeah. But it, you know, this is still it's shot on Super 16. It's got a budget of two to three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, this is an indie film. Yeah. Can and you it, imagine Ben Affleck being in a film for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars now? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, and that's what's fast. We see a couple of big stars show up in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um. Should we, Should we get into it? Yeah. yeah. We open up at comic with comics and Comic Con. This was well. First of all, you brought up Harvey Weinstein, and we've already talked about the Me Too thing. Mm-hmm. When the Miramax logo came up. 
I cringed. I was like, yeah. oh, like I had like a, an actual like visceral, like, oh man. <laughs> oh. And then the movie started and we're at New York Comic Con and it's on like the fourth floor of yeah. some tiny building. Yeah. You know, there's like 40 people in the hall. And I'm just like, oh, wow, things have changed so much. Yep. I mean, how many people went to Comic-Con in New York this year? Like 175,000? Yeah, it was the highest attended Comic-Con all year. Wow. It's like yeah. if every one of those people brought a $1.50, they funded Chasing Amy. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's hilarious. That's it's crazy. Yeah, I remember the fr- I went to New York Comic-Con in 1991. Oof. And it was what it was like. I mean, there was, you know, there was a room and there were a bunch of tables and there were people there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, you know, it was a decent sized room because right back then comics were still a complete fringe thing that people liked. It's like the Doctor Who con now is only one bottom floor of a hotel. It's right. like two or three ballrooms and then there's a couple of smaller rooms and that's it. Right. It's nowhere near what these comic cons are. It's insane. Um, and we get some shots of we've seen some artwork from the comic, which is done by Mike Allred, who's a very mm-hmm. uh, uh, well-known comic book artist. And we go into um, meet Ben Affleck and Jason Lee. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ben's wearing his own clothes. That's the budget of the movie. Yes. And there's some good clothes he's got on in the Ugh, late so 90s. That 90s fashion. Man. Yeah, those baggy pants, baggy loafers, jeans and loafers. Loafers with and, white socks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we have the Uber fan because they are doing the comic uh, Blunt Man and Chronic that everybody thinks is the coolest thing in the world, whatever that is. Uh, and who comes up to Jason Lee but Scott Mosher, the producer of the film, <laughs> and starts talking to him. And... Well, first we get Ethan Supley. Yeah, he's oh, the super right. fan. We get Ethan Supley, and then we get Scott Mosher, who comes up with Casey Affleck. With a very young, <laughs> yeah, who's, who's, very young whose Casey credit Affleck. I love is Little Kid. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, there's Casey Affleck stuff that's going oh, on now, yeah. too, you know? Well, I was pissed when he was nominated for the Oscar and then ended up winning. And I always said that in the in the same year where we had the whole drama um, with, I keep wanting to say 12 Years a Slave, with Birth of a Nation. Yeah, right. And everything that happened there, I was like, why are we okay then with the Casey Affleck yeah. stuff? Yep. That bothered me a ton last year. And I, as soon as he said he wasn't showing up to the Oscars this year, I was like, of course you're not. Yeah. Because you're a coward. And you shouldn't anyway. But yeah. you shouldn't have won in the first place. Because let's be honest, I didn't think that performance was that great. <laughs> I'm not a Manchester by the sea truther. Um, I don't love it. I Sorry. didn't see it. There it is. Eh. There's so many movies. It's three seen. hours, dude. It's a yeah. it's a slog. And there's one like deeply emotional scene, and the mm-hmm. rest of it is him just looking sort of blank and like a little drunk. And well, that sounds like my thing. Yeah, probably <laughs> like a little drunk. Oh, you're stoked then. That's how I walk through life. <laughs> then you're gonna be thrilled by it. Um, and what uh, what Affleck and Scott Mosher are talking to Jason Lee about is the fact that he is a tracer. 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 You're a tracer. I'm not a tracer. I'm an anchor. <laughs> What's so funny about this is this was so the world of my friends. Oh, yeah. Because I had so many friends who drew comic books, and our good friend who had been on the podcast, Dan Panocean, at the time, uh, now he's got his book slots and he's a great artist, all around artist. But at the time, he made his uh, fame as an inker. Mm-hmm. And so this thing of you're just a tracer is like, oh, <laughs> those are fighting words. Because truly, if you ever see the work that an inker does on, a, on pencils, it is a remarkable art form. But it's incredible. Like, what's this from? 1997, right? So 21 years ago. And we're still getting those comments on YouTube in a sure. different, ver- different versions, different forms, right? Yeah. You're just saying what they said already on the other network. You're just, re- you're just repeating the same thing. Nothing new, nothing original. You hear all these kinds. And the super fan that comes up and goes, I knew it. Like, I knew what you were doing. I knew what your theory was. I knew. Like, and you deal with that all the time. 
and walking into this world, and you've been in this world longer than I have, Sasha. It's in watching this movie now. It's on like multiple levels. It's a very strange experience. It's so weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and uh, we go off to have our first panel. Yeah. The panel killed me. <laughs> that killed me. Can you imagine where would you ever find a room that small? Right. Where would you ever like at a con now? Even, yeah, even the even no. the way far in the back room is way bigger than yeah. This. yeah. Well, because everyone who can't get in Hall H is off trying to find something bigger. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So this is the great tragedy of chasing Amy. So I moved to Los Angeles. I'm starting school, and I see this movie, and I love this movie. And this is even part of the sad part. I'm going to need you to tell me the name of the actor who plays the black comic book author. Oh. Dwight Hewell. Yeah. Dwight Hewell. Now, why do I not know that name? Because I will never forget going to see this movie and being like, this guy's amazing. He's he going to work forever. He's so good. And if you have ever lived in Los Angeles and been to the Arclight, yes. you've seen Dwight. He's, He's yes. He works there at the Hollywood Arclight. And right. I remember going now in when I it first opened. I realized that I have seen him. Yes. And my heart broke into five million mm -hmm. pieces. And I was like, this is L.A. Mm -hmm. This oh, yeah. is L.A. Because he is so good. Mm -hmm. Dwight Huell. I should know his name, and I don't. Um, visited him at the Arclight Hollywood, I, I guess. I have had two occasions where I have been this close to saying something, but there's something stops me because I don't want to have that experience, what, and oh, I yeah. don't want to know what his reaction well, is. You don't know where he is. And the right. worst yeah. part is, at the Arclight, you have name tags that yes. say your name and your favorite movie, and there are people who say Chasing Amy, and I'm like, God, that must be uncomfortable. <laughs> his, his doesn't <laughs> say Chasing no, Amy. No, but it would be awesome if it did. <laughs> um, because he's great in he this is. scene. He's he great. is great, and he starts off with a, you know, he. What, what's so funny when you first see the movie is that he is playing the caricature of the black nationalist right. mm -hmm. black power guy and his first thing is about star wars as a metaphor for keeping the black man down those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down even in a galaxy far far away check this shit you got cracker farm boy luke skywalker nazi poster boy blonde hair blue eyes and then you got darth vader the blackest brother in the galaxy nubian god what's a nubian shut the fuck up um, this is great logic. And I have to say, my question as I was watching it, I was like, there's no way that Kevin Smith, well, there is. There's a way that maybe Kevin Smith came up with this. But I'm like, that to me feels like one of those conversations that he had with a buddy and mm -hmm. he always remembered it. And he was like, I'm using this in a movie. Yeah. I am definitely using this totally. later on. Like, I wonder, he now works with Mark Bernadette quite a bit. They oh, do yeah. Fat Man and uh, Batman on Fat Man mm -hmm. or Fat Man on Batman? Fat Man on Batman. Yeah, Fat Man on Batman. And I was like, I wonder if Mark. Was the person who told him that the first time? Because that seems like a very Mark Bernadette thing to say. Wow. Well, and, and it's probably something, whether he said the first thing or someone else, they had this great conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it got built up in his brain over the years until he finally gave it this speech to this character. Yeah. I mean, that's what all writers do, really, is just well, steal from themselves. And you know? jumping ahead, although we'll need to jump back, there's also a Riverdale conversation. And I read Archie comics religiously <laughs> when I was younger. And I love the show Riverdale. And watching that, I was like, oh, man. Is he fucking Mr. Weatherby? <laughs> Is that a thing? Wow. Um and I love I love the reveal that the finding out that Darth Vader is a white man is telling <laughs> oh. you that deep inside, well, I'll we let all him wants say to it. be white. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so brilliant. And Jedi's the most insulting installment because Vader's beautiful black visage is sullied when he pulls off his mask to reveal a feeble, crusty old white man. They trying to tell us that deep inside we all wants to be white. 
And then what happens is something that really, it does happen at a Comic-Con, but maybe doesn't go this far. Uh, Jason Lee and Ben Affleck start arguing with Hooper X. <laughs> we all wants to be white! Well, isn't that true? Um, and then what, what really I've never seen at a Comic-Con is, in the end, Hooper X draws a gun and shoots Jason Lee. And everyone right. scatters, yeah. which is great. Now, <laughs> at this point in the movie, like, okay, we're not really being realistic here. Like the level of silliness we just went to, which I actually think is too far mm. because the rest of the movie doesn't have this level of silliness, mm-hmm. you know, because if a guy drew a gun and shot someone in the middle of 50 people or 30 right. people at this small panel, <laughs> there would probably be some consequences. There would, especially in the Twitter age. Well, I kept thinking about what would happen on, on Twitter nowadays. Well, they address it though, because yeah. they pick him up and he says, um, oh, I thought, how come no one's caving in your head? He goes, wrong coast. And that no, he says his publicist gets clearances. No, he does say that. Yeah, but they, but uh, uh, Ben Affleck goes, "How do you keep getting away with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? How, how do they not like? How isn't the cops coming in and like right. bashing your head in?" And he goes, "Wrong coast." And I was like, "That's a shot. That's a great shot at what was happening in happening in L.A. Mm-hmm. with Rodney King and all. Like it was mm. that kind of shot. Sure, and it was quick. You're right. You're right. You're there. totally right. Yeah. Well, and it's also like Ben Affleck or Banksy and Holden." Are, are doing this to help stir up controversy yeah. to help sell his comic book. Right. Yeah. Now, two white guys would never do this today. <laughs> no. Not in the Twitter nope. age and of the, like, you can't afford to be shown saying something that is like this, right. you know? But at this point, it's like, this is great. This is the fun game we're playing because, of course, it's all fake. This They're actually friends, and we find out that Hooper X has an entirely different character and that is that revealed. And that character reveal is so well done Acting wise, Dwight, Dwight's <laughs> crushing it. What's a new being? Bitch, you almost made me laugh. Man, what about you? You didn't tell me you were going to scream black rage. I nearly pissed myself. Although yes. it does make me wonder if this movie was made now, how would the LGBTQA. This is the thing. Listen, the whole movie. I know. You're going to have a conversation about that with the whole movie uh, because of how they treat uh, that whole thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, and I don't think Kevin Smith was thinking, how am I going to represent each of these groups when he was writing this stuff? He was thinking, what do I think about all this? And he was writing it from his perspective. And he was like, and what's funny? And what's funny, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, because uh, Hooper X is actually a gay man with who is, I would say, fairly stereotypical in the way that he is portrayed. Yes. You know? Powerfully, powerfully, though. He's a great character. Yeah. Powerfully, though. And that's what I like about him. And because he knows who he is. He's... Of all the people in the film, he knows who he is. There is no crisis of conscience. He he never changes who he is. And that's what I love about him uh, and his presentation and his performance in the movie. Everyone else goes through things. Go through a lot. No, he he's is. Not only is he solid knowing who he actually is, yeah. but he's solid knowing the role that he is playing. Yes. Which is not him, mm-hmm. but he is doing to sell his book in the way that he is doing it and yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. He's very clear. He's the most. You're right. He is the most solid guy mm-hmm. in the whole movie. Um, we now we find to have a conversation with Joy Lauren Adams, who is uh, Alyssa, and she is also a comic book artist doing her kind of indie book. And Ben or Holden says, "Yeah, I read your book. It's cute, chick stuff, but cute." <laughs> a little condescending. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's Bangsy. It's, it's yeah, yeah. That's who says it. 
And she says, oh, yeah, you trace. <laughs> Great little button on the scene. And we go off to a bar. And this is where we have your conversation about um, Archie. Riverdale, Archie, Mr. Weatherby. Oh, man. Apparently, what Archie and Jughead are lovers. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this nun was teaching us about the Blessed Trinity. You know, she's going on and on about the three persons in one God thing, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Banky just goes ballistic at her. They got this huge fight. An eight-year-old kid. How bad could it have been? Well, have you ever seen a nun call a small child a fucking cut rag? <laughs> it wasn't pretty. But shit like that's bound to happen when you make a kid wear a matching tie and slacks every day. All right. And then we get into the the dart scene where they have a whole conversation about like what's love, what's lust, yeah. what's fleeting, what you actually really want out of a relationship. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's so quintessentially Kevin Smith mm-hmm. in like the rapid fire banter, the the intelligence of it, mm-hmm. but also again. It's super crass. Yeah, super crass. But in a really great way. Because what yeah. inspires it is two people making out on the hood of Banksy's car. Yeah. And so it's not coming from a place of like legitimate, like, oh, I just read this great poem. What do you think about it? It's like, these two dudes, are, these two people are making out. What does this mean? What do you think it is? What is love? Blah, blah. So it's, it just sparks it. And by the way, that's Scott Mosier, the producer, and his girlfriend who are making out on the <laughs> is car. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Did by you the- have two cameos? <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> I never knew that. Um, and we could tell right away. That Holden is into Alyssa. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that is that is the second very, he accepts clear. going to the bar because yeah. Banksy yeah. doesn't want to go. Or Banky doesn't want to go. Yeah. And Holden says, Yeah. And so they go. I keep wanting to say Banksy. Is it Banksy or Banky? Now I can't remember. Banky. It's Banky. Yeah. It's okay. Banky. Banksy's an artist. Banksy. Yeah. Artist. Banky. Okay. Banky. Uh, like Spanky. Jason Lee, please forgive us for misrepresenting <laughs> your character. <laughs> and and we and not only do we know that he likes Alyssa, but Hooper knows too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're back at the comic book studio, and uh, they get an invite from Hooper to go to a club thing, But and Alyssa will be there, but maybe Banky shouldn't go. But here's my, in that scene, yeah. like, they're just having whatever whatever conversation about, like, the light pole. Ben Affleck, at the end of that scene, which I am sure is improvised, comes over, makes a joke about it not being a gay club, and starts dancing behind him, and then there's pre-lap into the music that plays mm-hmm. at the club, and just the way Ben Affleck dances and messes with him, that, I think, was the moment where I fell in love with Ben Affleck. I was like, oh, man, what's up? This yes. guy has got stuff. Well, we should say, this is a star-turning oh, performance yeah. for oh, him. Oh, totally. I mean, and it, it's so funny where Ben Affleck's career goes, because mm-hmm. it has a whole lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. along the way. Oh, yeah, but he got new teeth from Michael Bay because of this movie. Yep, Armageddon right. came next. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Armageddon! <laughs> we have talked about... Yes, Woo! we have. There's... I love that movie. That movie's great. So, love that movie. Love that oh, movie. That record. That's right. That's right. People need to recognize... And that movie, co-written by J.J. Abrams. Hello. Never forget. Hello. The Cinephiles has already given all the time it needs <laughs> to give to that film. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. It is actually one of my favorite episodes. It is a good episode. Um, This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hello, Cinephiles fans. You know, we all kind of walk around with these stressors, big, small, medium in our lives that are triggered sometimes by frustrations at work or frustrations at our job or just frustrations overall about our life. Because sometimes you know this, if you compare, you despair, and you just want to live a life that's a little bit more clean and accepting of yourself and a little more open to receiving positive messages for yourself so you can have that life that you want to live and have that great work-life balance. And it's not always easy. And for me, for years and years, I thought all of this stress, all of this 
hardship I had to just carry on my own, that this is what it meant to be a man. And it was finally getting therapy where I realized like, oh, I don't have to carry that stuff. There's a place where I can unburden myself and actually get advice and guidance about how to deal with it better in the future. Yeah, Steve, you and I have spoken very proudly about how therapy has helped both of of us deal with our stressors in our lives. And if any of you are listening to us who are thinking of starting therapy, well, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if things aren't working out, which I think is a great benefit. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Cinephiles today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. But we're going to head off to the club. All right. Alyssa's there. She's dancing. Uh, Hooper's talking to Ben. Uh, we find out that both Alyssa and Holden are from New Jersey, from very close to each other. So you know the Tritown area? Quincy. Miller Hill. Wrote my name on the wall. Sandy Hook. That's my virginity, though. <laughs> this is so cool at the mall. Eden Prattley or Menlo Park. Oh, no. Here's the big test. Quick stop. My best friend fucked a dead guy in the bathroom. You know that girl? I did, before she was committed. There are so many little things like that in this movie that I love so much. Yeah, and there's also a shout-out to Ben Affleck's character in Mallrats. Yeah, oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. It's uh, a whole universe. Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy are a universe. Right. That's the Smith yeah. Smith's USQ universe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, Joey Lauren Adams is so cute. Yep. The, and it's funny, too, because I've, I've looked around a little bit, and there are people that just can't get past her voice. They yeah, just, well, the same thing like, with Fran Drescher. Same thing with uh, uh, yeah. The, they some people have that voice that that people just can't get past up for whatever reason. She it's does have an unusual voice, and I I love her. I think she's great. I Absolutely. think she's like a wonderful re embodiment of like the sort of Goldie Hawnish. Absolutely, not yeah. quite manic pixie, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just think she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And she herself, as an actor, is incredibly grounded, despite the fact that she's got this like little baby voice. Yeah. Right. But totally. There are people who, I mean, I love Lake Bell's In a World, and oh, she yeah. talks a lot about Sexy Baby and that voice that women put on. With Joey Lauren Adams, it doesn't feel put on. It doesn't feel like some yeah. weird affectation. It feels like that's just bizarrely how yeah. her vocal cords fused, mm-hmm. and this is how she sounds. And I've never, it's never bothered me. I felt like it, it was sort of a trademark. Yeah. I mean, it is an unusual voice, but yeah. it doesn't bother me at all. She gets brought up on stage so we can hear more of her unusual voice because she's going to sing a song. <laughs> this is for that someone special out there. Ready? I'm feeling And it is, uh, she wrote that song. Uh, and uh, she's singing it right for Ben. And watching that moment, it is so one of those, like, this is an independent movie moments. Mm-hmm. Because in our, any other movie, you're not getting a two and a half minute stage performance of an unknown song. Right. Like, that's not happening. Right. right. And it's just a tight shot. And you can tell because she and Kevin Smith were in a relationship at the time. Yes. And you can see how much Kevin Smith was in love with her mm-hmm. in that scene. Just lingering on her face, like he is Ben Affleck in that moment. Mm. 
And Ben Affleck, as she's singing, when he like rubs his hand <laughs> down his chest, and he's so into the vibe. Ah, he's he's wonderfully dorky in yeah. this movie. Really, yeah. He really is. He's he walks that line between dork and douche so much. <laughs> in the whole movie. Like it really is incredible. You you like him all it's the way. Actually, through, give me the title of close. his autobiography: "The Line Between Dork and Douche." <laughs> By the way, I should say um, we haven't talked about it. Kevin Smith wrote this inspired by his producer, who's who who developed a crush on a lesbian. Yeah, and he it, like uh, it became a thing because he, it frustrated Smith that he kept doing, kept finding all this time for her. So there's there's elements of himself in all these characters, and so it was driven through this. And I think, I didn't know this by the yeah, way. And I think if I'm right, the girl who ends up uh, giving her the mic to sing it in this scene ends up being his girlfriend for a while, the producer's girlfriend for a while. One of the producer's girlfriends for a while. So it's 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 is this all Mo- Scott Mosher? Or is I know it's the other it's in someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, but it's the all other interconnected. Part that's inspired by his own life is uh it, although she was not a lesbian, Joey Lauren Adams had lived a very full experiential life. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a really hard time with that. As guys sometimes do, especially sure. in their young age, which was Anyway, yeah, no, 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 please, because he was younger, and absolutely yeah. no. You and there's that great line later on where they talk about like, you know, you don't want to know, but you ask anyway, yeah. and that's in Kevin Smith's own when he finally, when Silent Bob silent, finally isn't silent anymore, right? Yeah, uh, and has that great diner monologue. You can tell that that very much is coming from his own thing with her because, yeah, he just felt insignificant, he felt insecure, mm-hmm. and worked it out. Luckily through the movie and through the writing process as opposed to by breaking up with her and being an asshat. Right, right. Well, and that's one of the things this movie is about is how we perceive ourselves versus other people and their experiences and what that says about us. Yeah. And right now, so Alyssa's singing this song, who said, she's singing it right to Ben. He's really enjoying it. And there's this (laughs) blonde kind of right next to Ben. (laughs) just kind of dancing. And I, one of the things that's fascinating watching this moment is at what point do you start to get Oh, she's not singing to Ben. You know, like particularly the first time you see it. I think it's when he he gets real deep into it. He overplays the moment on purpose. Mm. So you think there's no way this she's show, singing exactly. to him. Because <laughs> she is so laser focused that that's when he starts to act like the fool a little too much. You start to gravitate to the girl that's standing in front of him. Because she also has like bleach blonde hair. Yeah. You can't miss it. It's a very strong presence. So that's when I figured out. I feel like the first time I saw it, I had never seen a preview. I didn't know what the premise of the movie was. Mm-hmm. I went in totally blind. So I don't think I recognized anything until they run toward each other. Until the oh. two of them rush toward each other. She gives the finger of come here. Right. And the girl goes instead of Ben. Ben has like this one moment where it's like, oh, oh no. I can't. And then the sirens start going off. The sound cue in that is so great. It is. And I think I yeah I don't think I was aware of it though until wow. they rushed toward each other. That's so great. Yeah, I think I I knew that this can't this is can't go right. I had the same reaction, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think that I knew what was about to happen was going to happen. And when they come together, first Ben Affleck's reaction, yeah. but then Jason Lee's reaction, oh, is yeah. so great. He's yes. been hating it the whole time. And now he's happy as hell and he's clapping his hands. And, and the music, and there's this siren like, wah, yeah. wah, wah. and Jason Lee starts surveying the crowd and like realizing, oh, all the chicks in here are with other chicks. 
And suddenly he, and then the slow clap applause he brings in. It is awesome. Yeah. And, and first of all, I love Jason Lee. Yes. I have always loved him in almost everything he's done, even in movies that I, that I, I don't think are good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, there's a, he's one of those kind of unique people with a unique voice and a unique rhythm that's just really mm-hmm. funny. Where did he go? Well, he's a Scientologist. I know, but so that means he should I, be extremely yeah. successful. Well, he well, maybe, was I, for a while. maybe he's hit that wall where he's good. You know, because he had that Earl show. He got show. that My Name is yeah, Earl money, and he was like, Mo money. He's good to go, yeah. maybe. Oh, oh the chipmunks. chipmunks. Yes. Remember, that's good money. See, I blurred that out yeah. because it makes me so sad. <laughs> yes. Um, oh. He made that money, man. And by the way, the blonde making out with uh, uh, Joy Lauren Adams, that's Jason Lee's girlfriend. Ah. Oh. Yes. So him clapping, you know. <laughs> He's just being supportive. <laughs> just being very supportive. Nice. And we head off to the diner. Yes. Um, this is a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still making out, and the the, the, the discomfort on uh, Holden's face oh, is just okay. so because you and, and, and you you feel for him. Yeah. You know, mostly because even if even if she was now making out with her boyfriend, it would be the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And this has just pushed it to a new level of awkwardness for him. <laughs> uh, and then we get into this conversation about whether or not a girl can fuck another girl. Well, how can a girl fuck another girl? Were you talking about strap-ons or something? Jesus, would you shut up? What? It's okay. No, Binky, I've never used a strap-on. Well, then what's with saying fuck? Shouldn't you say eat her out or at least modify the term fuck with something like fist? Let me ask you a question. Can men fuck each other? What are you asking for my permission? In your estimation. Sure. So, for you to fuck is to penetrate. You're used to the more traditional definition. You inside some girl you do, jackhammer in a way, not noticing that bored look in her eyes. Hey, I always notice that bored look in their eyes, all right? Uh, and I understand if, you know, if some people uh, from the lesbian community are offended by the film now in retrospect, but in 1997, no one was talking about this on film in this way. Right. Right? We saw lesbian characters in film before but there was presented with like Pretty rare well, yeah but there was presented with like the blow the wind blowing in the curtain it was all beautiful it wasn't like like real you know what i'm saying and so you're seeing this a little more having these conversations and it's a little bit more it's a little bit uh exploratory and maybe it walks that line of being a bit uh exploitive but i think it's conversations in 97 that we wanted to understand as a society right. you know to accept it and i will say there is a line of dialogue that I quote to my <laughs> friends to this day. Given head, you got to treat it like CNN or the Weather Channel. You got to handle it like CNN and the Weather Channel. Constant updates. You are such an idiot. No, no, he's got a point. It is so true. It is so true. It's up there with Chris Rock's <laughs> In Case of Emergency Break Glass oh, yes. for a guy yeah. Yes. It's a dick in a glass oh. case. <laughs> emergency Break Glass. But that line is so true. And when I'm like in college and I'm still a virgin, oh, yeah. like I had, I didn't have sex until I was 22. So I'm like oh, wow. watching this movie and I'm like, this is what sex is like. They're, they keep talking <laughs> about like, you had sex in high school. I'm like, you did? amazing <laughs> but that line yeah. i was like i'm taking that putting it in my pocket That's and funny. i will remember at it at some point you'll use that uh every day yeah. <laughs> that's all i'm saying It'd be different if chicks helped out you know pointed a guy in the right direction then there'd be no bullshit no wasted time and no chance for you know permanent injuries permanent injuries 
And I think the thing that's so great about that scene is that then it gets into the conversation with Jason Lee and Joey Lauren Adams swapping sex adventures yes, which is gone jobs. awry. Which is right jobs. You want to see something permanent? See that? Uh-huh. I got that from Nina Rollins. Sophomore year, I'm going down on her, right? Oh, and out of nowhere, her cat oh, jumps oh. on her stomach and she does this big old pelvic thrust, cracks my tooth and sends it down my throat. I had to get a crown for the stub. I got that beat. I got that beat. Junior year, I'm going down on Cynthia Slater in her dorm room after we went club hopping. I'm totally drunk. And in the middle of it, I fall asleep right in her lap. She got so mad, she digs her heel into my back. Right there. That's permanent. And it was a, apparently supposed to be in Clerks. Oh. And then it didn't make the cut, so he put it in this. Senior year, spring formal. I'm eating out Missy Kurt in her brother's car. She's like laying across the back seat, and I'm half hanging out, my knees on the ground. She's flailing around, and she, she knocks the parking brake off. The car starts rolling down the hill. And my left knee is cut up to shit. <laughs> The clapping the ears. The the legs slamming hard into the ears. This is that is a true thing. That is a true thing. That is unsettling as hell when it happens. <laughs> and you've hit that, you've hit the special spot, but like, and it's rare. But when it happens, it is such a shock, and you can have a neck injury from that. Guys I do don't it too. deny. It. Yes, I'm sure. sure. Yes, I'm Guys sure. Well, and this is the, and this is the thing about this movie is there was a time, you know, most of uh, history th- since uh, I will say the birth of Christ, they decided <laughs> that sex was a bad thing, yes. and we should not discuss it in any way. You get to the Victorian era, well, ours, and, is, yeah, 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 exactly, in Western society, yeah, and that, society. and that. It took until the sexual revolution in the 60s where we said, no, it's okay to talk about this. And then you get like 20 or 30 years where you start to have discussions. And boy, do we benefit from – and I've had basically this discussion with a gay friend of mine of like, well, how does it work? And what – you know, and hearing out like descriptions of, well, how does Grindr work? And going into the detail of like, and then what will happen? And then what will happen? And the conversations are – Sometimes dirty, and they are hilarious, and they are fun, and they are educational, and, illuminating. and they are illuminating, Absolutely. Yeah. and they were done entirely supportively, without you know, and yet it's really funny, yeah. and yeah. you know, and that that is really good, and that the world that we are moving into now, for all of these reasons that are amazing and positive, is a world where those conversations are going to be harder to have, and movies like this are going to be harder to well, have. Well, but I think it depends. I think they might be harder to have, or it might be something where we have them in a different way, like yeah. you could say that people have to talk about black culture in a way that's more respectful now but then you get a movie like black panther which is so unapologetically african african-american the black experience and that is its own version of a conversation Mm -hmm. and i think with something like this you do need films that are a little bit more mainstream and can be adopted in ways that are more mainstream in order to get a conversation started i don't know that necessarily being respectful in pc takes away the opportunity for some of this stuff yeah. like there are moments in this movie where i straight up cringe because i'm like oh do you have to say that so <laughs> yeah, often that's right. really uncomfortable and a terrible slur and then there's moments where i just remember like it was a different time it was a different mm-hmm. place 21 years is a lot of time it's a lot of time yep. well and this is why i say the archie bunker thing yeah. because that's what archie bunker said all of he said all the words right and but we didn't we 
when he said them, we disliked him saying that. And I would say even 21 years ago, yeah. we knew that what Banky was saying was, ugh. Yeah. I don't like, but I'm not comfortable like with that. Really now intense. it's really bad. So you're like, yeah. with that. <laughs> oh my God. Since you like chicks, right? You just look at yourself naked in the mirror all the time. And even then, it was problematic because this this scene in particular uh, is what was going to give this movie an NC-17. Right. Mm. Um, and they called in Alan Dershowitz, famous L.J. Oh, Simpson lawyer. Wow. That's who Weinstein calls in to represent this film and get it an R rating. Wow. Which it does. You know, and it's a weird thing because there, we don't see any nudity in this film. There's no violence in the film. Yeah. It's just language. But I also don't think we need to make this film anymore because uh, we've moved on from this film. So our conversations are more nuanced now. But yeah. this is the foundation sure. of the conversations we're having now because we had films like this, which, which I think is great. In and, the long run. And, and I do love, by the way, and you mentioned, I just want to hit it again, yeah. that this is an homage to the Jaws scene. Yes. The yeah. table even looks like the Jaws scene. Right. There's even like a Ben Affleck, yeah, you know. Taking the shirt thing. Taking the shirt thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's great. And it's awesome. I, I love that kind of thing. We have to go have a meeting because we're going to sell the comic book to uh, to be a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. And who are we meeting with? <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon in a very small role. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny seeing him like this and so young. Yeah, I love that, though, that they always used to make sure that their buddy had a part in anything that yeah. they did. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really great part of their friendship. Yeah, because yeah. that's, uh, what's his face from, the first, from Clerks? That's the yeah. main guy yeah. from Clerks, Kevin or whatever his name is. Yeah. Brian O'Halloran. Brian O'Halloran, that's yeah. it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's in almost, yeah, he's in Mallrats, too, in the, in the dating mm-hmm. scene and yep. then in this, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and we find out, you know, just how successful this particular comic of, of Blunt Man and Chronic is. Oh, and then Alyssa comes and visits uh, Holden. Oh. Yeah, when she shows up, that is the beginning of this whole movie. Like the whole, everything's right. been leading to this moment because she makes a proactive choice to show up at their place of business and ask him to hang out. And this begins the process. She's so, working it out for herself, what she's feeling for him, because she's invited him out twice. She right. invited him out to, to the club, to club, yeah. and then and then uh, they went out for a drink with Nat, with Hooper. So there's this thing building between them. They neither one of them maybe knows what it is, but when she shows up, and speaking as a guy, when a woman shows up at your place saying she wants to hang out with you, you think possibly this could be something. Well, there's and so no, there's I love no that. question that he. I mean, obviously he's going to think that. And right. but, but but I think you make a really good point, and and something that just occurred occurred to me as you were speaking is I was like, well, Hooper invited them to the club. Right. But did in fact Alyssa oh, say, Alyssa said. Mm-hmm. and who said don't have Banky come? Hooper says don't have Banky come, but did that come from Alyssa? Maybe. That Maybe. Be very because she wanted to be, that's the thing. Well, this is, and because this is something we can't know is what exactly is she, at, at what level is she thinking about this guy? Well, that's what I think people misunderstand about the movie is they think it's, it's Affleck's journey. It's her journey too. She's figuring this out as she goes along as well. And that's what I think sometimes gets lost because it's Ben Affleck and it's chasing Amy. It's not chasing Holden, you know? So, (laughs) but like they're, they're chasing Amy. Some girl we've never, Amy's a girl (laughs) we never met. We don't even know who Amy is. (laughs) It's a metaphor. It's it. There it is. Which explained later in the diner. But like, but this, but I, I I think her journey is just as important here. And it struck me as I was watching it this time, this whole idea, like she shows up, she's the impetus. She's the, and then later on, she talks about going to the con to hang out with her because she's coming up for the weekend. So these things that are leg the ground work where both of them are like he's willingly going along so he's responsible for his decision but she's also kind of instigating the situation which i think is is a fun is interesting psychological thing to explore between relationships you know Mm. 
You're blowing my mind a little bit. Here. Well, I don't. I don't think she no, knows no. that she wants to be with him. I well, I know, but I think you're. I think you're right. You know, because I was always that she just wants to be friends until the moment that she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of going. Oh, there's a lot more gray areas in terms of because we don't know what our motivations are a right. lot of the time. Right. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I just really like hanging out with this person. Well, you're attracted to them. No, I'm not. No, and you know, but somewhere in there, maybe you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think clearly that seems to be going on a little bit. Um, I think. I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking Sounds- about. It. Well, because I'm thinking, you know, yes, she shows up. Yes, she's proactive. Yes, she's like, I want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're blowing my mind a little bit, too, because there is a conflict. And I mean, this is majorly skipping ahead, but she says, like, I'm fucking gay. That's who I am. Yeah. And so much of her identity is wrapped up in that. And then we find out way later yeah. that there is a whole other backstory that we didn't right. know about. Right. And I think, whoa, yes, my mind is being blown it, it, because it's, it's about like we're, we're talking about like Me Too and Time's yep. Up and the like LGBTQ, a oh, I probably left a letter out <laughs> uh, community. Yes. And that's all about identity. Like, do you identify as a feminist? Do you ide- identify as a queer or transgendered mm-hmm. person? Do you identify as a black man like where do you line up and it's about her being like wait this is my identity and when you come in how does that change right and and that's what i think she says to him later and we'll i'm sure and we'll get to it of course but i think this is the beginning of her figuring this process out and because i think it would be um i think it would be disservice to her character and to joy lawrence adams performance to say in the rain, she just made this decision to be straight. I think it was building through the whole movie from that first knock on the door at Holden's place of business. I think that's when she's starting to, because she said, I never thought a guy like you would come along in my life ever again, but I knew, but I found you. And so I think this is the process. And her spending time with him is her being comfortable with this idea and figuring out, do I want to pursue this? Do I want to take this chance? She was never going to be the one to have the speech with him, right. but it's going to be, it's going to be him that has to do it. Well, and this idea of identity that you must line up in some yes. particular thing, it's incredibly empowering yes. and incredibly important. And it is fraught with some stuff, yeah. you know, Daunting, yeah. you know, because because, you know, are there people like the character of Alyssa who are comfortable in multiple worlds and are and, and are not perfectly lining up in one group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to say that they have to make a choice. Well, in a way, that's also pressuring someone on their lifestyle, yeah. you know. Um, but so they go out on this nice walk. We talk a little bit about... Uh, Fisting. You <laughs> <laughs> just jumping right in there. There was a little you know play in the conversation. I was going to talk about like, There's a nice walk of like, it's fisting. Just get there. Because that talk scene, about- I was like, what? I still am like, nobody does that. Does anybody do... She demonstrated quite John- clearly... What there are faces being made. (laughs) If this was not a podcast, if this was video, oh man! You know, I was in my twenties. Anyway, yes, go ahead. We're going. I hope it was done to you. Well, we are. (laughs) So, so for those of you who haven't seen the film, (laughs) this is in a. The conversation begins in talking about whether or not what virginity is. So you're still a virgin then? (laughs) No. But you've only been with girls. So you're saying a person is a virgin until they've had intercourse with a member of the opposite sex. Isn't that the standard definition? (laughs) Again, with your standards. I think virginity is lost when you make love for the first time. 
with a member of the opposite sex. Why? Why only that? Because that's the standard. Let me tell you. And and that's sort of an interesting thing. And and it's also the the demarcation point of virginity as a as a movement into adulthood or into your sexuality yeah. as what this word means. And and again, this is what I like about the movie is let's define these terms. Yep. We all use these terms and then we don't talk. Well, what does that really mean? And how does this really work? And then they have arguments and counter arguments about how you define sex. This idea that Alyssa brings up of, do you mean physical penetration or emotional yeah, penetration? Yeah, I love that line. Okay, second revision. Virginity is lost through penetration. Physical penetration or emotional? Emotional penetration. Mm, well, I fell in love hard with Caitlin Bree when we were in high school. Physical situation. We had sex. Yeah, but not real sex. I moved to have that remark stricken from the record on account of it makes you come off as completely naive and infantile. Well, where's the penetration in lesbian sex? And yes, we get to this idea of penetration, and she does a very graphic uh, demonstration of <laughs> something that might be done with her hand. Yep. <laughs> someone else's hand? With yeah. someone else's hand? Yeah. And Holden's reaction to it is quite profound. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. How? Our bodies are built up as a child, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but I mean, Jesus, doesn't that hurt? Sure, but in that good way. <laughs> but they also talk about, like, sort of what we've been talking mm -hmm. about, which is societal expectations. Yes, yeah. Like, okay, well, if it's penetration, then that means that rape is not right. sex. The girl who's been raped is still a virgin because it's not the traditional quote unquote idea of sex. Yeah. And there's a lot of really interesting back and forth. Like, okay, is it the hymen? What actually, is it the first time you make love? Like right. what really counts? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is the kernel at the center of that conversation before we get to the fisting <laughs> is really profound and interesting because it's something that they do sort of try to define, but like, I remember that's something I've tried to define or I had to define for myself after that. It was right. like, oh, wait, when does that actually happen? Like, yeah. when is that a decision you make? Is that what is it? Well, it's funny. We talked about before about identity. And in a weird way, this is relating to the same conversation to me, which is that, you know, in the identity conversation, we're saying, well, are you either this or you're this? And the, and virginity is a binary state. You either are a virgin or you're not. You're either yeah. having sex or you're not. And yet, emotionally, the way we go through life is non-binary. Yeah. There, are, there are experiences people have that are so um, meaningless that they barely qualify. Mm. And there are experiences someone have where there might not be physical penetration in the traditional sense that we're with a real loving deal yeah. and that are far more significant. And like this conversation is getting a little bit towards that stuff as we're, because what we're, what this movie is seeking, what it is chasing in fact is, <sighs> is intimacy. Yeah. You know, that's what this is all about. And they're trying to figure out what all that really means. Yeah. You know, it's a fantastically subversive conversation for, for the time. Oh yeah. For the time mm -hmm. because of everything. Cause like he keeps saying, like you said, Sarge, well, that's the standard. That's just the standard. Yeah. What does that mean? And she keeps pushing the boundaries and the audience itself at that time is watching this film. The mainstream audience is watching this film going, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Okay. And now I it's like, of it that way. now yeah. to have that conversation, it's like, well, the standard is there's 27 different kinds of binary sexuality <laughs> yeah. and there's an entire spectrum. <laughs> yes. And really there's all kinds of other things. So this movie would be either 500 hours long yeah. or two seconds long True, right. today. It'd be like, nope. <laughs> or we've got a lot to discuss. It becomes like the Game of Thrones of sexuality. I'm going to need PowerPoint uh, on this. One. Let's, <laughs> not, let's not bring Game of Thrones into it. That's no, no. Uh, we're going to go off on a train trip to go to a new con. Or so we think. Or so we think. Uh, we're ready to go. Holden's there. Banky's there. 
And at the last minute, Holden bails to go see Alyssa. But not before Banky makes an incredibly uncomfortable connection with a child uh, and a bunch oh, of porno mags. You're right. I, we should we should give this a moment. This is horrible. <laughs> at least takes some porn mags and puts them in the bag of a little kid. I've never, I've never understood guys who walk well, around wait, porn magazines. I didn't know if never he understood. he gives the be- does he give them magazines or he has an entire bag. No, he has. Oh magazine. no, no, I said, I said, I said it wrong. Yeah, he has the bag. He puts them in Holden's bag. He does. That's he puts half of them in Holden's bag. Yeah, because yeah. he can't zip his bag up because there's too much. And this again, I was like, man, this dude in the internet, like yes. he would never leave his house. Yeah. There's so many things that have changed since this movie was made. And the fact that he's like, sometimes it's a spread brown eye kind of night. Sometimes I like it. And every now and then it's the time horse. for a girl and a horse. And horse. you're just like, wow, you are a twisted mofo. It gets to some weird places. It does. I mean, we should point out that when I was young, hello, a porn magazine was like gold. You sure. know? Oh, like yeah. if you found oh, that, yeah. that was rare. You know, when I was 13 or something, you know. You had to find the hiding place. You had to put it back exactly the way you found it. Absolutely. (laughs) This was valuable. And now a 13-year-old growing up, it's like you can't not find porn. Right. I mean, you have to, like, put restrictions on (laughs) to hopefully protect them from seeing it. Because God forbid you you search for something that, uh, no, no, not that kind of Chinese finger cuff. (laughs) What is German Scheiser? Oh, Oh, God. I I taught my son when he was, like, three years old to do Google voice search. Oh. But he didn't articulate very well. And his favorite character at the time was Dusty from the Planes animated thing. Oh, yeah. Uh So he would go, he would go, like, Show me pictures of Spider-Man. Or show me pictures of Wolverine. They said, showed me dusty pictures, but it came out like busty pictures. Oh. And there was another one. There was another one where he said, Sh- I don't remember what he's searching for, but it was like hot, wet something. And I was like, no. <laughs> and that's what I put the adult safe search yeah. thing on my yeah. iPhone. Just see the gold light on his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so by the way, and I have to say, Bailing on your partner when he's going off to Comic-Con, that is, that's not cool. Right. Well, she pages him, right? So we get that page. Page. Page is great. But he says, oh, a call from your master. Yeah. Right? So already Banky is having issues with the situation, right? We see that it's it's progressing now. He runs off and she says, oh, a minute and five seconds. You broke the record. Such my bitch. You were such my bitch. Right. Yeah. So it's playful banter between the two. But once again, she's instigating the situation by saying to him, do you have to go to the con? Do you, can't you stay with me? My eye coming up. There are 300 people that will be attending that con. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but this is the thing. It's like, yes, you do have to go to the con. He should have gone to the con. Right. You should go to the con. Right. You should. Yeah. And this is his moment to state his independence from the situation, but he doesn't because he's falling in love with her and he wants to spend time with her. Absolutely. And Banky is always going to be there. She, he might lose her if he doesn't try. And now we kick into one of the cutest montages mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Off to the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Some skee ball. It's <laughs> just hilarious. Oh, man. I like skee ball. Me too. Yeah. There's uh, it's a great scene. They but... break a pinball machine. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a little ridiculous. Got laid. <laughs> um, the switching with the little girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, so funny on the steps. Park. But as I was watching that, I was like, she is so delightful. She is so yes. charming. Yeah. And his primary wow, you're great moment is biting the safety off of the lighter yep. so she can light her cigarette easier. And I'm like, man, you could do better than that. Come on. But they have so much fun together and they have such great mm-hmm. chemistry. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, and the song that they put it to is so fantastic. Yeah. 
Yep. And after this lovely, wonderful montage that seems so romantic, we're back with uh, Banky who's playing video games. And he this is when he's really spouting some homophobic uh, oh, stuff. Yeah. It's because he's angry. He's jealous and he's angry. I'm not excusing it. I'm saying this well, is where it's coming and from. I yeah. think we have lots of implications in this movie mm-hmm. that he's gay. And, and the, you know, Kevin Smith is exploiting this, covering your sexuality with homophobia mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think that's the implication yeah, 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 of the yeah. film. Probably. But he is pretty darn nasty. And they get into a fight uh, that is, I mean, he says she's programming you. Yeah. He's, you know, and, 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 and Holden's going like, no, no, stop using this word. It's not sensitive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what, what does it matter what I call people? He's trying to be respectful. It's like saying, I get where you're coming from. I get why you're doing it. But if, if you don't mind, like, don't call her a dyke and don't call her these things like she's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes to draw. And that's this is when we get when to the this confrontation scene. happens yeah. and the four way. Oh, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's offensive, but amazing. All right. Now, see this. This is a four way road. OK. And dead in the center is a crisp new hundred dollar bill. And around this <laughs> four way street, there's Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, a man friendly lesbian <laughs> and a man hating dyke. Yeah. Who's going to get the hundred dollar bill? And he gets it right. The man hating dyke. Good. Why? I don't know. Because the other three are figments of your fucking imagination! This is some really good acting on both of their parts. Yes, Ben Affleck's utter exasperation and Jason Lee screaming into his ear, the other ones are figments of your fucking imagination, is just beautiful. And when you're young, you have those fights with your friends, like in the face yelling type thing. I, you know, the, those are the things that you have sometimes. And that makes sense for people in their 20s. I didn't, but I don't. Really? Have, I don't have those. You didn't have friends who gave a shit about what was happening to you? I didn't have fights like this with my friends. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> wow. I had fisting and I had fights with my friends like that. In my, you, but he no, really, no, really no. You lived, took, lived you their really 20s lived, to yeah. the ultimate extreme. That's why I'm yeah. tired now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if you strip it down, if you strip it down, it is what happens sometimes between friends when a woman comes in. Because two really solid friends sometimes can have a battle because she comes in, she takes the time. She's you have to factor her into the situation. It happens, right? This happens, happens between yeah. dudes all the time. No and between women, it yeah, happens I'm where sure, like yes. somebody gets a boyfriend and they well, she doesn't disappear. show up anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the thing too is that in Banky's defense, to fight his despite his language and his really offensive but hilarious metaphor yeah. is he knows that this woman is a lesbian and therefore there is no future to this relationship yeah. and he is on some level despite his selfish reasons trying to protect his friend yeah and i'm sure we all have had moments where with our friends we saw them doing a thing where it's like dude don't do that yeah and it's, or been told yeah and it's really yeah. hard yeah it's very hard to communicate and, and in my experience it's almost never successful yes of it course is. it's not it's, you're in love when you're in love and it's the same way. You can't get somebody to quit smoking by telling them how bad it is for their health. <laughs> they have to choose to quit smoking. That's well, and, and in that case, they know it's bad for their health. Of course. With the, sometimes with the relationship thing, they cannot see it. Yeah. I mean, this, the surgeon's general warning is well posted on that cigarette box, but it is not well posted on that crazy person that you're dating. Well, yeah. but at the end of that scene where the way it actually like ends is he's like, why are you doing this? Why do you have to always take the road of most resistance? Yeah, he says that to Holden. Yeah. Yes. And Holden finally screams because I'm fucking in love with her. Yeah. And the look on Jason Lee's face of just he's crushed he's sickened he's angry and then the scene just ends in that silence between them but it's you know what do you do there what else could you do what else can you say and how can you be there for your friend the thing is is going back to the archie bunker comparison 
he has been so vulgar and offensive throughout that entire scene that when he got that jab, I actually had a moment where I was like, good. Oh, yeah. Because you're not being a good friend. Yes, he's trying to support his friend. Yes, he's trying to like protect him. But at a certain point, it's like, mind your own business. Mind your bobber, dude. It's let him make his own mistakes. He's an unemotionally progressive person. I would say, (laughs) you know, he's a lot. He's got a lot of blockage all over the place. But it's coming from the place of trying to protect Holden and care for him, even though the tactics he's using are really terrible i think it's half it's definitely half coming from there yes it's also coming from some other places and he's a guy with no particular sensor you know <laughs> sure. and, and that's part of his charm but what's it's, but also holden obviously has not been stopping him from having this sensor their entire relationship because yeah. all of a sudden it's an issue that's why he says to him when he comes to the table he says why is this all of an issue all of a sudden an issue for you how what i talk about how i call her in the privacy of my own home into my business place what is it an issue for you for so clearly he's been this way for quite some time and holden's never yanked the chain on him or not hard enough clearly yeah. well and i think how often have you seen a close friendship or a relationship where there's sort of a somewhat introverted you know mm. very controlled kind of guy who's with another person who is extroverted and has no sensor yeah. like that's Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, I right. mean that's a perfect example is yeah. that sometimes you're 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 hanging around with someone cuz they're going to say the things and take you the places that you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that Holden reigns Banky in all the time to protect him from his own bad behavior or he tries to. Or tries to. Well, I'm sure that he does. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure that he's you know when they go into that business meeting or whatever, yes. Banky's turned down 20% because yeah. Holden's there kind of mm-hmm. keeping it in control. Right. That's how a good relationship on some level works. Well, the right, a good partner. Yeah. yeah. A partnership. That's how um, the Cinephiles works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we will let you, all one. of you guess. This is the quiet one. <laughs> I wasn't, see, I wasn't going to say because I felt, but it's okay. Oh, Whatever I embrace my fine. extrovertedness and occasional misspeak. He's already I, talked about yeah. fisting people. I mean, to be fair, Sasha brought it up. I just confirmed it. I've talked about it in the movie. You talked about it in life. <laughs> you said, who does that? I, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure who was giving and who was receiving. Hey, oh, That's no. what I said, too. That's what I said, too. Are you kidding? I had his physical this morning. I had a finger on my ass. It drove me insane. Ugh. Insane. <laughs> Insane. Insane. I did not like it. It was uncomfortable. I have a headache ever since. All right. <laughs> Moving on. He didn't do it right. No. Okay. <laughs> so, so. All we're, right. We're listen. I gave a warning. You did. You did. You did. Episode. Um, <laughs> so we go off together with Alyssa and Holden, and they buy some art, or she buys some art. God. What's the name of the painter again? It's a. My own. Oh, it's own, something Russian. It's like my own Kandinsky. My own. Yeah, it's something Russian. Oh, man. Yeah, that hideous painting of birds. Yes. And here is the moment. Why are we stopping? Because I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Oh my God, how badly did I want to like have somebody confess their love to me in an SUV in the rain <laughs> so that I could like get out and storm off so they could chase me because it's chasing. Right. Yeah. And then we could kiss. Oh. Did you ever set this up? No. Uh, There's still time. There's still, still time. time. Sure. This is, I pretty much gave the Ben Affleck speech in oh. a car. Yes, you did. I did. To Karen, to, to my wife. Yes. Yeah. And did you get to the point where you said, and as much as I appreciate it, I would never need oh. a picture of birds? I didn't oh. say exactly these words, but so those, the, our version of that in 1990 or something. Oh. And that, but it was, and she said, no. <gasps> 
I, I just want to be friends. I don't want to do anything with you. What? Yeah. It was a good year and a half later. No yeah. way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And you hung in? I did. Yeah. I'm determined. So I'm a fairly... no, what turned her? Was she gay at the time? <laughs> <laughs> she was into she was into people that were not me. She oh, wanted to be yeah. friends with me. Yeah. I was in what what was it's funny. So I've heard now, so I was in what I would call the friend zone. Yeah. But what I've heard now, mostly from my students, is the friend zone is thought as a really abusive thing relationship. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are people, I will not say his last name, but there are people. <laughs> there is a person named Dylan. There is a person named Derek. What? And both of them, the double D douches. No. They friend zoned me so hard, but both of them like girlfriended me. Oh. Like we did everything except make out. And I like I think about it now and I'm like, you guys were fucking assholes Mm -hmm. because they knew exactly what they were doing one of them like every morning when i woke up first phone call that he would make was to me every night before we went to bed he had to talk to me and then be like i love you i'll see you tomorrow but not not but like uh but nothing friend zoned so hard and wait wait so wait i don't understand the situation here you wanted more or they wanted more? i wanted wanted more more. oh i see girl yeah i have willy wonka's golden ticket to the fuck factory (laughs) of vagina And I could Please, not. Someone make that a shirt. And we're going to put that on the Cinephiles. We're going to sell that right now. I couldn't. They. So Dylan. Dylan, no last name. Yes. We invented a game for him because I was in love with him all throughout college. And he was not into me at all. And it broke my heart. Years later, we developed a game called What's Gayer Than Gay oh. for him. Mm-hmm. So what's gayer than gay? Giving a blowjob or getting fucked in the ass. This is appropriate to the Chasing Amy podcast. Totally. It is. Because it turned out that he refused to admit he was gay because he had done one but not the other. So we had to develop what's gayer than gay to decide where that landed. Sure. The other one, Derek, asked to touch my vagina in a Japanese restaurant under an entire table of sushi. And yet, we never kissed... We never had sex. He friend zoned me so hard, and I like it ruined my self esteem. Ruined my self esteem. So I appreciate everything you said. Having been uh, the friend guy in multiple, that was basically yeah. my until I finally perfected it by ended up marrying her. You are <laughs> you're the success story that I everybody am. believes I'm, they can be. Yeah, and then we go through torture. It was like fifth is, times the charm. Dude, you're the chasing Amy, man. But you but, are the one guy. You're the false hope. Thank you. Um, Star I, I wear Wars, that a with false hope. <laughs> friends, zone, friends, zone, <laughs> Steve, a false hope. A false Steve hope. Morris, a false hope. But oh here's the God. thing: this, that's not what my students are saying. They're saying oh, yeah. to be a guy friending a woman with the hopes of having a relationship is an abusive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're saying it's opportunistic, it's opportunistic, it's yeah. and that it is manipulating them and being abusive and having a friendship under false pretenses and things like that. Oh wow! Which and this is the thing, and this is everything is both ways. everything is situ- well, everything is situational. Yes, is that we're human beings. There are people there, and this is what's so hard in the world that we're in is that there are things which are unquestionably abusive, and there are things which look fairly similar to that mm-hmm. thing and are not. You know, yeah. and figuring out which is which mm. is tough, is a hard thing to do. And a lot of it has to do with intent. And you can't read intent. Yeah. You know, you can't know when I say something, what is in my heart. It's hard to say. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, like my I was thinking about it, like my, my grandmother um, called Asian people Orientals. Oh. And because that's what she, <laughs> that's what that's, she knew. That was, and, and she was 
not that nice about Asian people. Mm. She also referred to gay people as the gays. Um, and her Good best course. and her best friend was a gay man who she was friends with until they were 90 years old. She had no problem with homosexuality Aww. at all. The way she spoke for both sounds bad. For one of them was a little bit. For one of them wasn't at all. Mm. It was just generationally. It was just that was the language that she knew to use. Interesting. You know, and so like it's that's what I mean is that it's hard to say. You could knock her for one thing and not knock her for the other thing. Mm. But if you just met her the first time and heard both those things, you put them equally. Right. You know, because we're all great. Banky this is, is great. Banky Absolutely. is great. Through the whole movie, he's great. Yes, he's offensive, but there are other reasons why he's doing what he's doing. Well, and there's reasons that people loved Archie right Bunker, the and they cried and were moved by him yeah. all these times, despite the fact that he was an insensitive oh, sure. bigot, you know? But also you had, like, the Greek chorus of Rob Reiner, and there were yes. definitely, yeah. And like, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. came on and did that with him. Yeah, the whole So line. you sort of, there was always, like, a, a reflection of, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting, though, about kids today. Yeah, yeah. The Fred Zone thing is a real thing. Yeah, they're changing the narrative of every. Like I'm, I can, I feel like I'm hanging on by my fingertips half the time because things keep changing all the time. Because you don't know what's going to come out of your mouth that was right for your generation, yeah. but it's completely incorrect for this generation. Because I don't think Friend Zone's a bad thing. That's just where you are when you want someone, but she doesn't see you as anything more than a friend. Oh well, I'm in the friend zone. I'll just be friends. Oh man, but it see, I, I can't. Like I, as a yeah. as a grown up, yeah. Like I did it a lot in my twenties, and the truth is, is I was totally in love with my husband for two years, and he like mm. never paid attention to me, and then he friend zoned me for like a year, and friend zoned he friend zoned me for like <laughs> for, not for a year for like a month, and I literally have a journal entry where I was like, I've been down this road, I cannot do this again. I have to admit how I feel, and if he doesn't reciprocate, I cannot be friends with him because the truth is, is if you're in the friend zone, anybody listening, if you're in the friend zone, get out. Get out like your name is Jordan Peele. Yes. If they don't like you, their friendship is not worth the detriment Mm -hmm. to your esteem and your ego. Absolutely correct. Admit it. Tell them how you feel. Be honest. And if they don't reciprocate... You are not going to be Steve. Yeah. Well, well, and you asked sure. you asked before how I got out of the friend zone. Yeah. So I got to a point that I was so low and so sad, and it felt so like weakened, you know, like because yeah, uh, the, your self esteem. Yeah. The expression the expression yeah. I called it was was that I was a beggar at the ball. Oh. Was that I was just oh please let me just be there, yeah. just let me be around, you know, because I was so obsessed. Yeah. And there was a moment where you know, and I won't go into the details, but I just got really angry, and I went, well, screw her. And I, I was like, I don't need her. And I was really done with her. And that was when it turned around in about two weeks. Interesting. Yeah. It was because I, because here, and here was the thing is that we're not attracted to needy people. Yes. Yeah. Like need is not a thing that's attractive. Yeah. Strength is attractive. Independence is attractive. And all those, and, and I was not being who I was. Mm. I was, I had broken myself, you know, on the, on the shores of Karen and, <laughs> and it become a very weak and different person. And when I finally became myself again yeah. which was when i finally got angry and took my independence back then yeah. i then she suddenly looked over and like oh this guy's really attractive totally you know yeah. but but that's you know so but that's not easy to do it's it's not. it's not easy to change your emotional state i mean i had to it was it's not that i it was that she was attractive because i was angry it's that getting angry was what allowed me to become independent again yeah, yeah. it has to be it, authentic 
Oh yeah, it has to be authentic. Yeah, you you can't, you can't fake strength. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. But, um, oh, friend it, zone. Yeah, and we should talk about this scene because Ben Affleck's speech in the car is he's great. It's classic. It's it beautiful. It does go on. There's a certain point where it goes on a little too long. I'm like, okay, dude, shut no, up. No, no way. As a girl, I'm like, keep going, milk it for all it's worth. Ladies love it when you talk about your emotions. Oh, when it's God. real. When it's real. No. Uh, it's when I have creepy. a real one, I'll talk about. <laughs> uh, I love you, and not. Not in a friendly way, although I think we're great friends. And not in a misplaced affection puppy dog way, although I'm sure that's what you'll call it. I love you. Very, very simple. Very truly. You are the the epitome of everything I have ever looked for in another human being. And I know that you think of me as just a friend and crossing that line is is, is the furthest thing from an option you would ever consider, but... I had to say it. I just, I can't take this anymore. I can't stand next to you without wanting to hold you. I can't, I can't look into your eyes without feeling that, that longing you only read about in trashy romance novels. I can't talk to you without wanting to express my love for everything you are. And I know uh, this will probably queer our friendship, no pun intended. But I had to say it. I've never felt this way before. And in classic Kevin Smith form, he gives this beautiful soliloquy about why he loves her, why they would work together. It's, it's so beautiful. And then she says nothing, gets out of the car, and he, through tears, says, was it something I said? <laughs> and it's such a wonderful little joke. And it lightens everything. And I feel like that's why you can, that's the, the comedy sugar that gets everything else down because otherwise this could be a really schmaltzy, stupid scene, but because they, it's because they give the comedy and because there's a self-awareness, it actually is really charming. It is. It is. It definitely is. And it's interesting too, because the, you know, we've been joke, 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 joke for the whole movie. And now we have this scene in the car that's completely serious. Well, and she's also playing it safe by buying the picture, by buying the picture. She's also in a way not being authentic about how she feels about him. Cause what he says at the end of that monologue is correct. He says, even if we never talk again after tonight, please know that I am forever changed because of who you are and what you've meant to me. Which, while I do appreciate it, I'd never need a painting of birds bought at a diner to remind me of. And I thought it was a brilliant ending to that monologue because he's saying, this is legitimately how I feel. You're giving me trinkets to, to placate me, and this is nothing... Compared to this, and which I'm, I'm showing my heart on this day, like, and that's what he's doing. And she be, buys that painting because it's random. It's totally random that she buys the painting, right? It makes no sense. He just made a joke about her not picking up the check, like again or whatever. So, are they dating? If he's constantly paying for something, are they dating? Well, not dating? If he's constantly paying for time to go out, which seems to be the illusion, and then she buys this thing, fifty dollar thing, which could have paid for the soup she was having. I think. I think it's and so, so fifteen dollars. Is it fifteen? I believe it, it was, was 75. Yeah, it was 75. And she's like, I'll give you, I think they said, I'll give you 15. I believe it's 15. Okay. So, Either way, they would have yeah. paid for the soup. One quick thing on this, because, and I know we're digressing quite a bit in this scene, but it's, 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 it's a, an important moment. It's a lot of stuff going on. Is that, and I had this with myself uh, in my younger days and also, but when I was friend zoning it around the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
and I've seen it other times, <laughs> is that there's something I call <laughs> <laughs> something there's something I call the good relationship juice, which is what it is, is that sometimes there's a friendship which is serving a lot of the relationship things. Sure. And and because of that, someone is not moving on to actually jump into the relationship because they're getting the good relationship yeah. juice from this friendship. Yep. Totally. And so I think what she's doing, they're a couple. That's mm-hmm. what the double Ds did. <laughs> they, exactly. I got, exactly. They got girlfriend without yeah. without yeah. actually like, but the best part of a relationship is boning. So it's like, wait, you left out the best part, mm. the kissing and the boning. Sure, sure. What? Well, except maybe they were getting that somewhere else. Yes. But they weren't well, getting you somewhere else. One of them was getting else. it from a dude, and yeah. the other oh, one, yeah, and the other well, one, and if what's a, gayer than gay? Well, and if but, it's a, if it's a guy middle. that's gay, that seems like he's he's not facing the the sexual right. stuff, well, and he's he getting was, the good relationship from you. He was deeply and is still, I believe, deeply closeted, which is why I'm not saying his last name. Whoa. And then the other one had just gone. We'd both just gone through breakups, and he was really hung up on his ex, yeah. who had been physically abusive with him. Oh, so okay. he was getting all the like good girlfriend stuff. And then wasn't giving any of the penis. Right. Hey. right. <laughs> um, so she co- she runs she goes away in the rain, and then she comes back and yells at him. That was so unfair. You know how unfair that was. What? It's unfair that I'm in love with no, you. No, it's unfortunate that you're in love with me. It's unfair. You felt the fucking need to unburden your soul about it. Do you remember for one fucking second who I am? I just can't get into a relationship with you without throwing my whole fucking world into upheaval. Listen, that's every relationship. There's always going to be a period of adjustment. Period of adjustment? There's no period of adjustment, Holden. I am fucking gay. That's who I am. And you assume that I can just turn all that around because you've got a fucking crush? And you think I can just throw that away because you have a fucking crush. Crush. She tries to diminish it when she knows it's happening. And she tries to he diminish is it. Broken, he is. And he walks away. <clears throat> and the next thing you know, she's jumping on him and they're making out in the rain. Awesome. And she's so tiny. And then we wake up on the couch of love. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who walks in? Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Drops his chocolate milk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> was it a Yoo-Hoo? Must was it a Yoo-Hoo? Must Probably. Yoo-hoo. It's, it's New Jersey. There must have been a Yoo-Hoo. Um, uh, no disrespect to Yoo-Hoo. It's delicious. That's right. Yeah. They want to sponsor the Cinephiles. The Cinephiles. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we have a scene out on the stoop. Which is my favorite scene of the movie. Because it is stripped of all the vulgarity. He well, is, they're, he, hold on. You got the you got the Catholic schoolgirl. Yeah. Well, the sure. Beginning. I was like, yeah, hold right, on. Right. Which I thought was There's unusual. Very inappropriate. Yeah. Underage what was that? Catholic schoolgirl joke right? that kicks the whole thing off. That right. Is, and we, we very used, clearly what that. And is. We used to be yeah. able to joke about that without having a be, be a thing. But yeah, I'm okay with that one going away. By the way. Uh, yeah, they could have cut that out. It's not necessary for what's happening. Yeah. Because we already established who Banky is. But this interaction with them is the most authentic moment of friendship between them because he says to him, "Everybody has an agenda. All right." Everyone. Yourself? My agenda is to watch your back. To what end? To ensure that all this time we've spent together building something wasn't wasted. Oh, she's not going to ruin the comic. I wasn't talking about the comic. And that's a great scene. Bam, man. I love that scene. No, no, no. Look, the chasing Amy, like the rain, it's a fantastic, great scene. But this scene is like the authentic friendship scene that's been missing all up until this moment. Well, because a lot of the time you're going like, why are you friends with this yeah, guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's because they do care about each other a great yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, they do. And now we're going to have Alyssa and her friends. I'm so in love. Aww. Aww. 
I know, I feel like such a coon, but I can't help it. We just, we have such a great time together. Who is it? Someone you guys don't know. That chick you left the restaurant with that night. They're not from around here. Don't even tell me you met her down the shore. Ew, a bridge and tunnel Jersey dyke. With huge hair and acid wash <laughs> For your information, they don't have big hair or wear acid wash. They're from my hometown. Why are you playing the pronoun game? <sighs> oh, this scene Woof. is so great i also use this line the pronoun game why are we playing the pronoun game <laughs> i we're we have such a great time they they're from my hometown yeah and when she admits <laughs> you don't know him that it's a guy yep the yeah. friends when they say another one bites the dust yeah. it's you see when she was talking about this is who i am mm-hmm. part of who you are is your friend group part of who you are are your peers yep. By doing this, she's endangering her comic book, her friendship circle, Mm -hmm. her identity. Like, there's a lot wrapped up in what she's doing. And also, at this time, you know, being a lesbian was not necessarily in the mainstream situation in terms of being accepted. So you found camaraderie in this group. And if one leaves the group to to go be with a guy, so and essentially becomes straight... It reinforces this idea from the more close-minded people that it's a choice to be gay. Yeah. And that endangers the entire uh, uh, culture, I guess, or in, uh, the, the entire gay community because that idea at the time, right? Now we're more progressive or more – all that happens. It's not a choice. It is what it – or it can be a choice. You can be born with – it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You, you are able to determine what your identity is at any moment of your life. You have a right to do that as a human being. But back then, it was way more. Yeah. I mean this is right around the time where Ellen yes. came out on her show right. yes. and then was immediately fired. Yeah. yeah. And immediately like blackballed. Blackballed. Yeah. One thousand percent. I love what you said because it's that's very much how I feel. I mean, the idea of, in general, in the politics of this movement, the idea that uh, homosexuality, lesbian, or any of these things was a choice was an an important political stance because, based on the Judeo-Christian history, they said, "Well, you should change. You should. That's an evil thing." And and they go, "Therefore, you should do that." We've got a we've got a concentration camp for that. You should you should you should choose to like vaginas and not penises, and that's what you should choose to do and the response to that is it's not a choice yeah i did not have a choice and there's a reason that that existed and still exists as an important political argument against fucking assholes who (laughs) want to get into other people's business there you go but i uh, but i actually think that in my opinion i like what you said which is Mm. that maybe it's a choice maybe it's not a choice you get to do what you want to do you want to you want to love whoever you want to love in my opinion you go do it and that's it i don't need to know if you chose it or didn't choose it doesn't matter as long as everybody has consent and nobody's hurting each other then you know go to it if you're happy be happy be happy in whatever way you need to be happy but in this case Alyssa's friends are not happy that she is choosing to to... feel abandoned yeah they feel yeah. betrayed. As they say, another one bites the dust. Well, and I will say also getting into a relationship, like before they even get to the fact that it's a guy, yeah. there's the whole thing about like, you guys are, why are we even helping? We haven't seen you in a month because she's disappeared because oh, yeah. she's in the relationship exactly. zone, yeah. which I think is so interesting because there is something to be said for when you have a really strong group of friends and somebody finds a significant other and suddenly like disappears. Yeah. But I really, really think that this is a great moment, too, in the film because Joey Lauren Adams, who has been 
so vivacious and so beautiful. And she's got this moment where she giggles and she's like, I'm so in love. Yeah. And then when her friends don't respond positively, you see just how vulnerable she is. Yeah. And it's one of, I'm talking about it. I'm getting the chills. It's one of my favorite moments of acting from her in this movie. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, now we're in bed with her and Holden and he's asking why me? Yeah. <sighs> Which uh, is the end of the relationship. It is. It's it is. It doesn't happen the relationship. Hockey. It's so true. You don't. Not at yes. the hockey rink. You no. don't ask. You don't you Just say thank ask. you. Yes. Thank you for loving me. Yes. And you only learn this by fucking up as many times as I did. <laughs> this having this, asking this question in bed with a woman. Why me? Yeah. You work so hard to get her. Why do you question that you got her? Be it's grateful. just be grateful. Worship the ground she walks on. Be grateful. Don't question yourself. Don't have struggles with your own self-esteem. Your own insecurities. Because then she will get it in her mind. Why did I choose it? <laughs> or you start to erode. Or you get an answer you don't want to hear. Or you get an you don't like. Yeah. Exactly. And that's when he asked that. And it's funny. I'm 47 now. Looking back. My 20s. I had this. And you look back. You see these movies. You go. The lessons were there the whole time. You <laughs> moron. You fucking moron. But. That's why I love these movies. And that moment is so real. So damn real. Yeah. By the way, the sound you just heard was Roka banging the mic. Because <laughs> you're wondering. Truth. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, but she does have a, a, a good story that a, she tells. A lovely and eloquent answer. Fantastic yeah. answer. That, that, she that's... should have been satisfied with. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and enjoy the relationship. Well, there's that thing, you know, like you get the sore in your mouth and your tongue keeps going to it or you get the little scab and you <laughs> well, keep picking it and like you just can't just him, it along. Banky plays a very yes. big part. Like yes, we are... right. Because that is the next scene. He yeah. shows up with a yearbook. Oh, and on yeah. page 48 of the yearbook is finger cuffs. And this is where he goes too far, in my opinion. Well, because in he's his sabotaging, yes. he's now sabotaging he's his, his friend's sabotaging. happiness. Yes. You know, it, it's up to our friends to find their own doom, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not our job to speed it up. <laughs> good. That's, That's a great nice. line. That's a good um, line. Yeah. Uh, and so we find out this story from the guy in front of the quick stop. Or, yeah. And uh, I think I think that guy's in Clerks or Mallrats. I can't remember. Alyssa Jones. Alyssa Jones. I Alyssa Jones. I mean, I know Alyssa Jones. It's a great monologue. It's a great monologue. <laughs> Although, another line I've stolen from that, getting filled out like an application. Hell! Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. But that scene, as I was watching it, that was when I had another moment where I was like, so what? Mm. Who cares? Right. So what if she was a lesbian? So what if she was into dudes? So what if she took on two guys at once? So what? Exactly. I mean, I know we don't have a movie if you don't care. Right. But it was one of those things where I was like, why embrace it? That's the reason she's good in bed for you now. Right. Be grateful. Well, that is, you're exactly right. And that is the lesson of the movie. But that is the lesson that he is not prepared to right. hear yet. Right. Um, Which is what Hooper tries to tell him. Maybe what's really troubling you is that your fragile fantasy might not be true. What does that mean? Hold on. Don't even try to come off like you don't know what I'm saying. Men need to believe that they're Marco fucking Polo when it comes to sex. Like they're the only ones who've ever explored new territory. And it's hard not to let them believe it. Let my boys run with it for a while. Feed them some of that I've never done this before bullshit. And let them labor under the delusion that they rock in my world. Till I can't stand them no more, then I hit them with the truth. It's a sick game. 
world would be a better place if people would just accept that there's nothing new under the sun and anything you can do with a person has probably been done long before you got there. <gasps> that scene for me, because Hooper has the moment where he says men need to feel like they are Christopher Columbus yes. when it comes to sex. And it's true. It's stupidly true. We really do. It? For some guys, it is. For some guys, it is. When we're with that, when we're that young, we think we we don't want. Some of us have a real hang up, and I think it's being brought up maybe sometimes in an ultra religious situation or this kind of thing where you where you put the Madonna complex on the woman, and you're like, if she's had multiple sex partners, and you're in your early twenties, at least in my generation, right nowadays. It's a fuck fest from 12 on. But like oh, nowadays. I am, oh, Jesus. Pregnant right now. <laughs> I'm so and I'm sorry, like, please don't I'm say so that. Sorry, I really sorry. hope my, I really hope a child does not have a fuck fest. Oh, but, man. I mean, would you be okay if your son had a fuck fest? Well, he's six soon? now. That means that if in 2024. Listen, Oprah did the whole thing about having dick sucking concerts at the mall. These teenagers. Nope. Well, so that's why true. my daughter will never go to the mall. You don't want to go there. The, the mall I, of all I, places. I don't know about fuck fest at 12, but the world has changed. Yes. Oh yeah, that is definitely way more true. freer about sex, and the internet is the, re- the a huge reason for that. Part of it. Yeah, so that's and I so back then you had that thing. So when you had multiple sex partners, a guy was like, it, it really worked on his self esteem or his insecurity because it was just like, oh, well, then, well, I'll, you kept seeing the other person doing the things that you're doing with her. Nothing was new, but you don't have the emotional maturity to understand. Actually, it is new because you're doing you're it doing with her. that person. Yes. Well, so love. they they talk about asking the number. Earlier in yes. the movie. Oh, it's right. the worst thing you could ever do. I, I <sighs> have you asked recently? Oh, not recently, but I have my my life multiple. Do times. you know your wife's? Oh yeah. But I feel like when it's your wife. Well, we, well first of all, we started dating when we were twenty one. Yeah. Yes. So so and so my number is very small. Yeah. And hers is well. I won't go into any detail about my wife's <laughs> number. That's entirely up to her to reveal. But yes, I know what it is. Oh. That's really sweet, though. Well, I can say very personally that I decided not to have sex until I met somebody who I really liked after I went through a bad period where I was not doing that. And I at one point was like, I'm just not going to sleep with anybody until I meet somebody who I really, really dig. And I didn't sleep with anybody until my husband, which it had been three years. Wow. And he... Still found out about somebody who I'd slept with before and cried. And I was like, babe, I was damn near a virgin again by the time we got together. But there's things like that come back up and it's just, it can't, you got to be Christopher Columbus. (laughs) I think. Or you got to be emotionally mature and just deal with it well, and move on. I mean, yeah. the, you know, A, we all want to be special. We do. And B, like, I do think you're right. I think it comes from, you know, we're still not that far from you're going to marry, you know, vir- two virgins are to get married in an right. arranged marriage. Right. And no, and that's not. That just sounds like a terrible idea. It does in all sorts of ways. But, like, I totally think that it's impossible to not have those thoughts. Well, I mean, well, you, from your end as a woman, Sasha, like your girlfriends, like, do they have issues if, if they're uh, the people they've like certain relationships with men have had multiple sexual partners? So I'll just say this. I can't speak for my girlfriends, but I'll okay. speak for me. Uh, my husband dated a girl named Becky right before we got Becky. together. With the good and hair? I, I still, I'm like, <laughs> Becky, Becky, Becky only let him touch one boob. Hey, one well, boob Becky. Left boob or right boob? I have asked many times. He doesn't remember. How could you not remember that? Because it was <laughs> one time and it was one tit. <laughs> But uh, I'm uh, like I. But yeah, I. Yeah, but you're, you know. Remember, if it was the left hand or right hand, if she was facing you. No, 
I'll ask. But I Googled her. I found out where she lives. What? I found her on Facebook. Don't tell, tell me she's dating Derek right now. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, Derek's still single. But I totally like dove deep. And there was another girl that I found out about. And I... I, it's another story for another yeah. day, but I broke a chair out of anger without actually breaking a chair. I did it like Carrie. I yelled wow. and I, the chair collapsed underneath Holy me shit. out of just like pure anger and hatred. <laughs> like I, it was, it was my witch moment. It was oh. amazing. I didn't do anything. I didn't move. I just went, I sort of squinched up don't, and the don't, chair don't, don't push that broke underneath like that. me. I, I know. Sorry. Can I say something? But I will say, yes, yeah. my girlfriend's, if you have somebody who is very sexually experienced, yeah. I have one girlfriend who's totally fine with it. They've been married for 16 years and he slept with half of LA. <laughs> they have like a 12 year age difference and she's totally cool with it. And they have a great and loving relationship, but they're both totally crazy. Mm. And then I have other friends who are like, he slept with one person before me and I'm never going to let him live it down. There is no, yeah. I, there's no right way. But I want to say, I want to say something dangerous and I maybe I'll get me in trouble, but Good. Men stalk, f like, physically, driving around, show up here. But women stalk on the internet, and they're really good at it. Really good. I mean, <laughs> really good at it. Oh, yeah. My ex, who I had for five, she stalked her ex-husband for two years until, and then found out he got married. I'm like, how did you know he got married? She, well, I found his future wife's Instagram because oh, yeah. he blocked me on Instagram. So I went and found, I found this thing on the internet that said her name, and then I looked her up, and I found her on the Instagram. I'm like... The fuck is oh, wrong yeah. with I like, found the it's guy, madness. I found the guy who I was in love with in high school who didn't like me back via his wedding registry <laughs> that I found like 20 years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. he didn't age that yeah. well, but she's really cute. <laughs> Did you like his taste in flatware? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't look at the registry, but I just Brilliant. found the names and I Googled the names together and I was like, oh. Right. Yeah, he he married out of his he married way out of his class. Wow. Oh, yeah, nice. he did not age well. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> fair, with them. fair. All right, we're at a hockey game. Yeah, yeah, right. a hockey game. This is so uncomfortable. But wait, but this is such an incredible switch because he seems like he's okay with Hooper. Like he's coming to the place where he might come to terms or have a conversation with her. Like Hooper's encouraged him to have the like they had the funny moment. Like you said the the funny sauce yeah. with Hooper talking to the young black kid. And he says, "You see that white man over yeah. there? Don't you ever take your eyes <laughs> off that white man, right?" And poor Hooper, uh, poor Holden is like, uh, yeah. he's playing into it because he has to because it's his friend. So I think he's in a better place. And then we have this hockey game moment, which seems like such a weird switch. Uh, for his character from what has happened before. Yeah. Well, and this is, he's about to be full asshole. Full asshole. Complete yeah. asshole. Yeah. It, it, you're in a public place. Yeah. You're totally blindsiding her with this thing. Long time to do it's, it. It's, you know, you bring, you start with finger cuffs. What's with finger cuffs? But I love that it's intercut with the hockey fight. Do you know a guy named Rick Darris? It's really funny. But it's a funny oh, scene. Man, it's so uncomfortable and so brutal. It is one day. Rick pulled his dick out and started chasing me around the house with it. Right in front of Cody, man. I couldn't believe it. Rick pulled his dick out. Really? <laughs> what did you do? I blew him while Cody fucked me. 
and I, I do love the guys who are sitting next to them who are like, I told you these were good seats. Yeah, I, yeah, right. yeah they have a, it's a great back and forth between the yeah. comedy and the drama in this mm-hmm. scene. But then once they're outside and she's blowing her top yep. and he is demanding answers. What the fuck's wrong with you? How could you do all those things? Easily. Some I did out of stupidity. Some I did out of what I thought was love. But good or bad, they are my choices. And I am not making apologies for them now. Not to you or not to anyone. And how dare you lay a guilt trip on me about it in public, no less. Who the fuck do you think you are, you judgmental prick? This was the scene that for me, watching it now as opposed to watching it a couple of months ago or watching it back when I first saw it, I was having the hardest time with because yeah. I was like, this is none of your business. Yeah. You do not get to judge her. Right. You do not get to shame her for this. Shame is what he's doing. She exactly changed her entire sexual orientation, lost friends, right. has given so much. Get the fuck out with yeah. this massive judgment bullshit. I was yeah. so upset watching that scene. I could not. I could not take it. There is a world of fucking difference between typical high school sex and getting fucked by two fucking guys at the same time. They fucking use you. No! I use them. Where's your perspective? Like, why aren't you not seeing the whole picture of all that she has sacrificed? And you're com- you're whining. And and it's so he looks so sad and stupid and self-destructive and cruel in this scene you know it's so funny it's like his insecurity is causing him to hurt the person he loves that's all this scene is about and what's interesting is that he's not upset about the girls he's not upset about the women he's no it's the men it's the men dudes you would think that it's his homophobia that is the problem here but in fact it's not it's his own insecurity about who he is how many girlfriends has holden had oh good question oh Never addressed mm. in the film. Maybe two. I, yeah, I, it ain't a lot. I don't think it's a lot. Yeah, I think he's a he, he's a sweet, smart, talented guy who is not very experienced you and know? doesn't understand that it's okay that she can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mean to tell me that while you have zero problem with me sleeping with half the women in New York City, you have some sort of half-ass mealy-mouth objection to pubescent antics that took place almost 10 years ago. What the fuck is your problem? I want us to be something that we can't be. And what's that? A normal couple. A normal couple. Who wants to be normal? Well, and what's your definition of a normal couple? Right. It's kind of like your definition of virginity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good point. Right. It's a good point. Yeah. And it's funny because as you said, this is a guy in his 20s. Right. They're very stupid. (laughs) And and all of us, we were. Mm -hmm. And and he's just going from where his emotional insecurity is taking him. And what he is doing is being... This woman has literally been nothing but lovely and wonderful to him. Yes. She has been as awesome as could be. But. Yes. She did lie to him. She did not tell him when he asked, like, so you've been with guys. He asked it very early in the movie when they're on swings. Yeah. And she says no. And she's never been with a guy. So she did lie to him. And then she says to him, I'm sorry I lied to you in the fight. She says, 
I'm sorry I lied to you. I probably I should have told you. Feel so special. I, yeah, I thought yeah. that saying this would in, in a way that didn't that nothing I'd said about complimenting you made yeah. you feel special. I thought this would make you feel special. So yeah. even when she was lying to him, she was doing it out of love and care for him mm-hmm. because he seemed to have a really hard time with her past. Yeah. And I so I mean it's not a, it's I don't want to vilify her for lying or, or say he's right for flipping out like he did. But I will say she did lie, but she lied from a good place. Yeah. And that's, he can't even see it in that moment. Well, and she, you know, it's like there's certain <clears throat> cardinal rules with me. And one of them is don't bring the shit out in public. No, no shit. You know what I mean? Like no that, shit. that's just for me. Yeah. Like I will, I will have this conversation with you. Yeah. We are not going to have this here. There's nothing you more know? uncomfortable watching couples it's fight horrible, in public, right? Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And, and we mentioned this normal couple comment. And after that is she just freaks out and falls to the ground. She yeah. loves him. She loves him. In that moment, in that moment, she could easily have just screamed at him and ran off as well. But in that moment, she breaks down because she loves him. And but also, loves. he's the one who walks away. Yes. Yep. What an asshole. He walks away yes. and leaves her yep. in her misery because he isn't man enough to handle it. Right. Yep. That's yep. exactly what's going on. We're back with Jason. Yeah. Just a little sitting on the couch. They have a moment. It's a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Apparently... They cut out Ben hugging him and crying on his shoulder. Oh. I'm glad they cut that out. It is a really good cry, though. Oh, is it? I have a girlfriend uh, who has always said that there's a moment, this moment in Chasing Amy where he's sitting on the crouch and he just like, he lets the tears well up and then he blinks and one just falls down his cheek. Uh, nice. was the moment that she fell in love with oh, Ben Affleck. There it is. Yeah. We all have our moments. Uh, let's meet Jay and Silent Bob, shall we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the diner. Yeah, we're paying them off because now we find out that they are the <laughs> the the inspiration for this comic that yeah. they're making all their money from. And uh, here we have Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. Oh, man. <laughs> smells like someone's shitting a cereal. Nuge. Man, what took you guys so long? What are you, at the mall again? Bitch, don't even start, all right? We stopped that shit years ago. Jason Mewes is something. Jason Mewes is banky. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's it's so it's so funny. There are people that are actors, mm-hmm. and, the, and there are people who are just that's who that guy is. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and some and some sad producers and directors don't know the difference, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll try to put the person who's not really an actor in another role. It's like no, they can't do that. Yeah, they can only do this. And yeah. I, Jason Mewes can do can be Jason Mewes. Think good, you fucking ninny shithead, because now she'll be all true and blue and shit. Bitch, tasted life, yo. Now she's selling for your boring, funny book-making ass. And but he's just sitting there eating sugar, eating sugar yeah. with a spoon out of the diner pour spout. And then we get this brilliant Kevin Smith finally speaking a silent Bob. Mm-hmm. It's more than one word, and he delivers the monologue that is the central tenant of the film's title. Yeah. So there's me and Amy, and we're all inseparable, right? Just big time in love. And then four months down the road, the idiot gear kicks in. And I ask about the ex-boyfriend, which, as we all know, is a really dumb move. But, you know, it is. You don't want to know. But you just have to know, right? Stupid guy bullshit. So I hate to break this to you, but I love the fact that he gives a monologue. I don't like this monologue. Wow. Why? Because when you do, this is just, maybe it's just the writer in me where this is where I go, look, if you're going to do the inspirational metaphorical monologue, it shouldn't be on the money exactly what the movie is. So I've just been nose. watching. It's, it's on so nose. on the nose. Okay. It, there's no, it's like, oh, you're telling exactly the story that I've just been watching. 
So I'm totally weirded out by this, right? And I just start blasting her. Like, I don't know how to deal with what I'm feeling, so I figure the best way is by call her slut, right? And tell her she was used. I'm, I'm out for blood. I really want to hurt this girl. It's funny. I probably liked it the first time I saw it. And having seen it a few times now, I'm like, okay, this is a little too much exactly what we need to hear at this moment. Interesting. You know, that oh, was my feeling about it. Oh, that. you mean it's too it's too aware of the moment. Yeah. It's too aware of the moment. Gotcha. And it's like, yeah. I'm oh. obviously telling you exactly something that mm. relates direct. And there's no... Uh, nuance? Nuance in the metaphor. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I hear okay. you. I hear you. I think I, I've i always gotten so giddy over the fact that Silent Bob is no longer silent. Exactly. It's a I great moment. I, I just took it. I was yeah. like, ah, it's words. It's words. It's a monologue in a Kevin Smith. <laughs> I buy it. I mean, buy Kevin Smith. Yeah, buy Kevin yeah. Smith. Yeah. There's also, side note, a <clears> lot <throat> of smoking in this movie. Oh, yeah. I thought about that, that too. It made Ooh. me really uncomfortable. I was like, that is so bad for you guys. By the way, I was watching. I don't think Kevin Smith smoked because he didn't look like a natural smoker in this scene. Mm. It's something I always because it's very noticeable uh, when pe people who don't smoke are trying smoke. to smoke. Mm. Um, is it true that he did not smoke weed until much later in life? I don't know. He always said that in know. his podcast. Let's ask. Okay. I have no idea. Um, he can come on the podcast anytime. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah. We're only one degree away from him. <laughs> we cut to sad holding alone on a swing. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And now we're back at the apartment at the studio. We've got Alyssa and uh, I assume they've Becky made up. On the I assume they've made up at some level that she would show up at his place. I think he invited her over and said, "Please, it's very important that you come. I need to speak." So to she's yeah. still in love with him. She still wants to somewhat save the relationship when she walks through the door. I think. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that's a hopeful possibility, <laughs> but it might be a possibility. Yeah. But people do like if you've broken up with someone and you say, "No, I really, it's, I need to see you." People do out of kindness, show up sometimes far too often in relationships they don't want to be That's around. probably true. Well, and also, we don't know that they've broken up. We just right. know that he's been miserable, and the last interaction they had was this horrible back yes. and forth, yeah. and they might not have spoken since then. As we see his reflective, we don't see Amy, what Amy, or what, uh, what Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa's going through during her their time apart. Right. So it's interesting, yeah. So Ben's going to make a speech. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, as if... What he did in the hot drink wasn't bad enough. <laughs> yeah. This is so, what's so fascinating about his character, I love that his character always has a plan. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I, I'm going to think it through and I'm going to work out a way to make this work. I've been going over and over and over this whole thing and, and I've dissected it a thousand different ways. Mankey, there's tension between you and I for the first time in our lives. You hate me dating Alyssa and you want me to sign off on this whole cartoon thing. How perceptive. Alyssa, you and I have hit a wall because I don't know how to deal with your uh, your past, I guess. And he explains, you know, he's to blame because he feels inadequate, points out that Banky is in love with him because he's <laughs> gay. <laughs> I love Jason Lee's reaction to this. You're in love with me. What? And then he goes <laughs> and kisses him. <laughs> There's a great stunned expression on Jason Lee's face. And Joey Lauren Adams' face. Yeah, yeah. That seems fairly easy to me that he just got away with kissing this guy in this moment. Mm -hmm. um, and Alyssa wants to go away. And he, and he's like, nope, I figured it out. Here's the plan. I know what we have to do. And then you, Panky, you, Alyssa, and I, all of us, can finally be all right. Please don't say it. 
we've all got to have sex together. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Even in 97, I knew this was a dumb fucking idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a terrible, <clears throat> terrible idea. Yep. Um, it's just like, that'll take care of everything. And it turns to Jason. I love this. So, so what do you say? There's a long pause, and Banky says, sure. <laughs> it's, just a friend, it's a friend moment. <laughs> it's a friend that moment. That is a real friend That's moment. Yes. He's willing to do it. Is willing to wait, do wait, it. Wait, wait, but is it a friend moment? There is moment? not a male or friend I it... have that I would do a threesome with. Not I was going to say, male friend. is it a friend moment or is it, or is is it the yes, culmination right. of I've wanted this for a while? I'm in love with you and oh. I do want to have sex with you. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm that I don't far. think so. Yeah. I don't think so because at the because when Alyssa says no. He goes, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's funny. I think it is. I think it is. I, he, just, he just said, you're in love with me. No response. Right. Kissed him. No response. You want want to have sex? Sure. I think he is in love with him and terrified of it and thinks that this is the moment that it's finally he can become the gay man or not the gay man necessarily. But, and then when he says no, he, he was terrified of the moment. It's like, oh, thank God I don't have to do that. Oh, you know, like that's how I've always interpreted it. I don't, I don't know, but that's how I feel. Maybe um, he's just afraid of his gayness. Well, that's what I think the whole movie, he's afraid of his gayness. Yeah. But I don't know if I buy it through the whole movie. Although I hear it, of course. I don't know if I buy it necessarily. I don't buy if he's. A, I think he's afraid of gay. Period, as a foreign thing to him, as a mm-hmm. threat to him. But I don't necessarily think he's gay or has gay tendencies. I just think he's afraid of the entire thing of what it is. He's right. afraid of something different and new right. and powerful. Because even he's he's mad at Alyssa, not just also for being gay, but also because she threatens his security of his friendship. Right. So he's threatened by anything that rattles his world or his concept of the world or makes him have to say things in a certain way that's respectful. And so right. I don't know, but I mean, you know, it's, that's what's great about film interpretation, exactly. our own interpretations. Um, and sometimes dirty words. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and Alyssa has a great response to why she doesn't want to do this. And it's actually really smart. Doing this won't help you forget about the things you're hung up on. It'll just, it'll create more. Maybe you'll see me differently from then on. Maybe I'll moan differently and then you'll resent Banky and, and become suspicious of us. Or, or you'll alienate him because of it. And you'll grow to blame and hate me for the deterioration of your friendship. Or what if, and oh God, I sincerely doubt it, but what if I saw something in Banky that I've never seen before? You know, and I fell in love with him and left you. Yeah. Yes. What if I moan differently or feel yes. differently or so look at him true. and, you know, then you're going to, res- not only is that going to destroy our relationship, but it's going to destroy your relationship with this friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she she sees down the line all the bad things that can happen. Oh, I yes. think it's a great moment for her. It is. Absolutely. He's a selfish son of a bitch because he's setting so. this all up for himself. Like, this will help me get better and come to terms with our relationship if we and you sleep with my best friend and me. But can you imagine? I mean, it's such a bad idea. Right? Like, on so many levels. Such a bad idea. Well, and it's. She's only talking about the tip of the bad idea. Like, the tip of the levels of the bad idea is her mentioning if they moan. Hey, (laughs) put the whole fist in. But then (laughs) mentioning the moaning and all the. Again, I gave a warning. Right. Because, I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship and the person you love says the name of someone else they've been in a relationship in a moment of like uh, sex or embrace like it can mess with you so well, imagine yeah. how her moaning differently with another man in bed with you and then she says like god forbid i see something in banky and it's god forbid and i fall in love with him over you how are you going to deal with that and it's so true well and the other thing too is he is being uh, 
uh, he was mean to her, and now he's being a hundred percent selfish. This is entirely about yeah. him. And he hasn't gone like like, oh, what can I do to take right. care of you? Who yeah. Last, last left collapsed in a parking lot. Yeah. Screaming and crying. He's going. This is what I need. <laughs> To feel more because I'm insecure. Do this for me. It's so selfish. And on top of it, it really does not speak to what we were talking about before, which is I judged you. I shamed you. I did all of these horrible things, which is why her response of slapping him and saying, I'm not your whore is such a great moment because it's like you immature, ridiculous man child. How could you possibly think that this would fix everything? Okay. And you can totally not answer this. Have either of you ever been in a threesome? Nope. No. Would you ever be in a threesome? Two girls and a guy? I'm just saying a threesome. There are three people involved. No, I need parameters of this question before I answer it. I would never be in a threesome with another guy. How about that? Okay. Two girls. Yes. You would do that? Yes. I would. If you were in a relationship with one of the women, would you invite another woman into the bed? No. So they would have to be two totally random people. Yes, sure. Or so two, this or is two like, people I know. So this is like a this is like a porno fantasy, but in like actual relationship, yeah. somebody who you're sleeping with consistently, mm-hmm. a third party. No, and I have friends who do that, and it bothers me that they do that because I think it can threaten the relationship. So again, I don't want to shame anybody. I don't want to judge anybody. I think threesomes are a horrible idea. There you go. Because in any situation with three people, two people walk in front, one person walks behind, somebody's left out, and it's just not a good situation. What about you, Steve? So first of all, Tell us, I, Steve. I'm, I'm with you in terms of, I don't know how this works out well, but my yeah. answer is, yeah, sure. You would? Yeah. And if it, under the right circumstances, with the right person. Your wife. Yeah, she's one of them. With another guy or with another girl? I would definitely prefer another woman. Not but terribly interested. If she's in came to you and said, I need I want to sleep with another guy with you. Well, I'm I I will say, like, you know, like these things are complicated. Listen, Very. if we've learned well, anything right, from chasing right. Amy, yeah. absolutely. There's no is judgment. That, is that people, you know, people get to experience yeah. life and love how they want to love. So does she have a best friend? And would you ever? Oh, this is oh, a this whole is... other episode now. <laughs> that, that, there is, Sasha Pearl well, there is a blush on the screen. And I'm also going, this part of the podcast will have to be approved. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. No, it's fine. We don't have to. I mean, I just, I have, I have friends who have open marriages, mm-hmm. which is something I could never do because I am Same. way too jealous and territorial. And that's good you know that. Oh, yeah. No, we had a conversation the other night, and the conversation was, okay, let's say I was in space for 24 hours. It actually turned into a Black Mirror episode. I've been sent to space, and the only way to get me back from space is to have sex with someone else. Would you do it? And he's like, you would kill me. I'm like, that's right. I would, but I would also kill you if you left me in space. True. That's easy. Of you're, a dangerous, you you're a dangerous lady to you, date. But who would you have sex with? Like in my fantasy, it's like, okay, I'm going to have sex with Keanu Reeves because you're in space. And in his, it's like, who are you sleeping with? Which of my friends are you calling? Who are you calling up? How are you going to do this thing? Well, and this goes into the wanting to be Christopher Columbus and not necessarily wanting to know about right? those other details. Right. But as you might remember in our previous podcast together, in a discussion of rubbing people's feet, mm. I, I've seen other guys rub my wife's feet. That's okay. Okay, here we go. Never let that Your wife's in space. 
Yes. Yeah, you have to have sex with one of her friends. Ooh, I'm to not get going, her back from space. I absolutely would. I'm not revealing who that might be. No, I'm not saying. But sure. you would to get her back from space. Sure. Can but wait, do I, do I want her back from space? Oh, well, that's up to you. Wow. But can you imagine the detriment she, to your relationship afterwards? She would, be, would be like, be thank, very, you thank you for, for being. Thank you for getting me back from space. But don't you think there would still be some lingering? But I can't believe you there did might, that. Or, or there might be. There would be no, no. There would be no. I can't believe you did no. that. There might be some Christopher Columbusness, like oh. How, How was, was it? it? And all that. I'm not saying it wouldn't introduce those things in a relationship. Yeah. And then I would go, you know what, honey? This is a perfect chance to set up your threesome. So now we can invite her over. <laughs> and now and you, you can, can know. see it. Nailed you can it. See. see, this is like the new uh, what's gayer than gay. <laughs> in the mouth or in the butt. What it's what would you do if I was in space? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, I mean, like, now if it was, now you get into, if you want to ask questions, it's like, would you have, you have to have sex with another person of your gender or someone you find physically repulsive or some, now these are harder questions. Well, physically repulsive or something that's not like within your sexual proclivity, I think is one thing. It's like the, the idea of desire is yeah. where I think you get into really More tricky dangerous. stuff when you're in a right. relationship, which is why when Alyssa says like, you can't do this, this is not how people function i found you i love you you're enough for me i want to be enough for you and he can't just go with that that's why they're so broken and then she i don't think she breaks up with him until she slaps him the moment she slaps him she's it's she's over and yeah if you've ever been in a relationship with a woman you know that when you cross that one line there's no going back there's no going back and that's, that's why i never moment. never cross lines <laughs> never mm -hmm. or swords mm -hmm. um <laughs> Or streams. <laughs> streams hey, I've crossed. <laughs> um, it's one year later. We're at Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's still 27 people there. <laughs> Ethan Suppley's back. Yep. Yes. Yep. And this time he's at Banky's table. Yeah. Telling how much he didn't eat Holden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Whatever Which happened is what to that fans guy. do. That's what fans do. Sure. And then in comes Holden. And um, there's a nice little silent moment between the two of them. And yeah. he points over to where Alyssa is. And there she is, and there's another woman with her. Do you think that other woman is her girlfriend? Yes. yes. Okay. And again, she is dating way below her pay grade. Mm -hmm. Like that woman is Ooh. not. It's a good point. It, it, she is, never she seems very that. uptight. Yes. Yes, she like, does. Like Alyssa's got a thing for people who are not right for her. She's got a broken picker because <laughs> she is picking people who are not as vivacious as her. Mm -hmm. Holden was not as experimental or interesting right. or experienced, but now she's with an older woman. Right. And, but she's with a woman who doesn't appreciate the culture that she comes from. She's she like, makes I don't. Fun of it. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, Alyssa, this is not your forever person. No. Yeah. So um, clearly she has some work to do on herself. Yeah. I think so. Self esteem issues. But he's solved all his problems. Apparently. He has drawn a Chasing Amy comic <laughs> that is dedicated to, uh, it says, I'm sorry, Alyssa, wherever you are. Ugh. Yeah. Guy always has a plan. Well, and also I was like, is it a comic or a graphic novel if it's a one-off? Yeah, true. Good point. I don't know. And there's no color. <laughs> there's no color. It's, it's a black, black and, white. and white. I didn't yeah. remember that. Um, what's weird to me is like, you just went off. I mean, black's a color you and white. You literally did the ultimate like teenage boy fantasy thing. You know what I'm doing? I'm gonna love, I love this girl so much. I'm going to dedicate this whole comic book to her and about how, the things I've learned about how, and that is yeah. how, and then she will love me. Yeah, it's well, like... You, oh, well, this is a good question, Steve. Do you think he's trying to get her back? Absolutely. I do not. I do not. Do you it's think he's trying his, to get her back? I never thought that that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. But it, now that you're talking about it, it seems like there is like a secret hope. It's like when you pass somebody your number and you're like, we should get coffee sometime. I haven't yeah. seen you in like a year. And you hope they'll call. 
but they never do because the way she puts the book away yeah when he walks away like all right that happened so what are we gonna do for lunch it's just she's over it it's done she has moved on and he is still kind of broken when you make a piece of art about a girl part of you wants that girl back well i mean I, yeah. th- I think the comic book is a metaphor for what Kevin Smith is doing. I think he's he's working this out through the whole movie. Right. Yeah. So Holden works what out he's working out through the comic book. But I think at the end he's just saying, I wrote this for you as an apology. I realized you were right about everything. Like I'm not with Banky anymore. Like we're not doing the comic book anymore. I'm my own person figuring my life out. You are oh you're always going to be a very important part of my life because you changed me. And so this is my comic book because I finally had something personal to say, which is what he says in the comic book, which is what they talked about in the swing. I haven't found something personal to say. He says that when they're walking right. to the swing at the beginning. So I think this That's is right. his way of ra- this is my my interpretation, is his way of wrapping everything up, giving her a goodbye gift, and then uh walking away what's interesting is her reaction to the goodbye gift which i think is fascinating because uh i think she considers it for a moment it seems like she considers it for a moment going back with him because there's been enough time separation maybe he has grown uh and then the then the girlfriend kicks in and it's all there and it we don't know if it's ever going to happen because we have a lingering look with holden and then the door closes from the uh room so I don't right. know. I always saw it as very final. Yeah. I saw it as he still has hope, which is why Banky makes the maybe you guys will share a moment fingers right. yeah. and puts up like a good luck crossed right. fingers. Which thing. shows that he's grown and, yeah. and changed. Right. Banky has, but Holden seems to still be carrying a mammoth torch. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean, the cover of the comic or graphic mm-hmm. novel is Alyssa in a towel, a woman in the bathroom, yeah. and the little like uh, the little word bubble is like, oh, well, oh, oh, Amy, what did you do? And it's still judgy. Mm. It's still shamey. Interesting. It's still like oddly sexualizing and fetishizing her for yeah. lesbianism, right. and it doesn't really have anything to do with being like. Oh, it's Amy's fault. What did you do? It's like, nah, dog. It's your fault because you were an immature asshole. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe though she puts away the book as her indicating that she understands he's trying to grow, but he's still not there. Yeah. Well, and this is this is where I'm. I, th- this is my favorite Kevin Smith movie, by the way. Oh. I, maybe I should have said that before. Mm. Is that is that this is where I see him use his kind of mastery of immaturity to actually say something kind of mature mm-hmm. because we're not with Holden. No. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're like going, Oh, this guy has made terrible mistakes mm-hmm. yeah. and we're judging him and judging Banky, obviously right. for behavior, even though we're enjoying some of that, you know, stuff as we go along through the movie. Right. And the truth is, is this film doesn't end with Ben Affleck. It doesn't end with, uh, Jason Lee. It ends with Joey Lauren Adams. Right. And the girlfriend right. or the person she's with says, who was that? And she's like, Oh, just some guy I knew. Yeah. And this, this movie, it got, <sighs> it got a very solid reception for an independent film. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a little bit of controversy in terms of some of the stuff that we've already talked about in sure. this film. Uh, it won for Best Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor at the Independent Spirit Awards mm-hmm. for uh, Jason Lee. Um, and, you know, it's also Miramax and Weinstein and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't quite know what... Uh, That's the... 
I don't know. That's the fucking irony of the Weinstein situation is because so much of what he produced changed cinema and changed our culture for the better, which is why it's so fucked up. The shit he was doing behind closed doors, the shit he was doing all these people and how many people enabled him to do this fucked up shit who are still trying now to explain away their enabling behavior through the whole process. And I think that's the shame of this whole thing, you know, because a lot of these movies, they really did expand our uh, approach to these very uh, delicate or sensitive issues or tough issues. And unfortunately, yep. in the long run, and and he also made like Shakespeare in Love is is is, is Miramax, and yeah. I fucking love them. Good Will Hunting is Miramax. There's so much, and it's it's fucking terrible. It's fucking terrible. Well, and you think about like the Quentin Tarantino movies, and you think about yeah. Uma, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, this yeah. strong, powerful, admirable character that is created, and then you find out what she was going through. Yeah. And, and it just makes me sick to my stomach. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, there's that a million interview. things. I've Going back to Polanski, man. Yeah. Polanski, yeah. that whole thing. I mean, yeah. I love Chinatown, but I don't know that I can watch that movie anytime soon. Yeah. And everything, like, I hated The Pianist. I tried, mm-hmm. I did my best to not watch it because I was like, I don't want to support you. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that. And then there was Carnage. And I was like, I can't get behind this. I had to see it oh, for work. I was required to see it. And I was miserable. And I talked about the fact that I can't support him as a mm-hmm. filmmaker because mm-hmm. I think that he is a rapist. And I bet you were vilified for that. And now you'd be celebrating a Maybe. That's how quickly we've changed. I don't know, but it's still, it's so complicated because Miramax has done great stuff and the Weinstein Company as a company. Yeah. There are so many fantastic films, but you can never excuse no. what happened. Mm-hmm. And to it, what is interesting, though, is how it's now shaping how we're even having this conversation about this movie, which was subversive and uh, pushed boundaries and was produced by a total pile of garbage mm-hmm. but uh now at least we can have like an open discourse about it yeah. well and he was and it, you know it, just as at one point on a, some podcast i said that hitler was an extremely efficient and uh <laughs> you know a, a a strong leader in all sorts of ways but one of the most evil men on the planet harvey weinstein was a talented guy yeah you know you cannot deny the fact that he was able to spot talent where other people didn't he also apparently was a monster mm-hmm or was. I'm talking about him like he's dead. Yeah. He's still a monster. He's a horrible, awful, yeah. awful person. You know, and this is this thing, you know, we talked about this when we talked about crimes and misdemeanors and Woody Allen, is that how do we separate out the artist and the art? Well, and sometimes it's really hard. And it's really difficult now to see the reactions too, because with Woody, this has always been a thing for quite some time. Yeah. You know, and now all of a sudden people are like, Oh, I'm ashamed that I worked with him. I want to give my salary to this. And I applaud that that sentiment. But a piece of me also feels like that sentiment is occurring because it's it's now accepted for you to do that. Whereas before, you wouldn't have done that. And like that Winslet interview she gave a year ago, which oh. she is which she is paying is paying for yeah. for being in Wonder Wheel, was an incredible tap dance of why I wanted to work with Woody Allen and purposely, willfully ignored. All the other shit that went around. Well, and here's the other thing. Someone like Chalamet I can forgive, but other people. I can say that Woody Allen's best work happened before I knew what his deal was. That's a great point. And then Mighty Aphrodite and Everyone Says I Love You 
are the only films. Oh, and uh, Midnight in Paris are the only films. Blue Jasmine. I didn't love Blue Jasmine. Oh, I did. I did not. Um, So those were the three movies where I felt conflicted. Mm -hmm. But in general, his work kind of sucks. The fact that he can make a movie every year, let it stop. Mm -hmm. There are people where it's just like you don't need you don't need to be making stuff anymore. His Amazon series was unwatchable. Oh, it was terrible. Unwatchable. I didn't look. I didn't oh. But there's there's a time and a place like I feel terrible that I like R. Kelly, but there's only three songs I allow myself. <laughs> Remix to Ignition, Cookie. Remix to Ignition is good. And every now well, no, Sorry. let's say there's pretty much two. Remix to Ignition and Cookie are like the two songs that I will allow myself right. from R. Kelly. And then I feel like I'm a bad person. Yeah. <gasps> Like, I won't listen to Chris Brown on the radio. I, I, I don't want to support Mel Gibson. There are so yeah. many people. And yes, there's art and there's artists. But intrinsically, your art comes from who you are. Yeah. It is the most personal expression that you can make. Like, Jackson Pollock wasn't making something and we need to separate his art and his artistry. We don't. And he was an alcoholic and yep. he was an abuser. Yep. But there are people who have pushed it way too far, mm-hmm. like Harvey Weinstein, and it will tarnish not just their legacy, but also the work they've created. Yeah. Well, and you the, have to take that into consideration when the, you look at it. There's two things I, because I, I, I'm so conflicted about all this. Well, sure. Because I, I love Woody Allen films, a whole bunch of them. And from, and it seems, you know, it seems like he's a very, fairly despicable in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't stop liking the movie that I like. And I have two thoughts about it. One is, is that, not everybody should have to pass a you are a morally perfect person to make it acceptable to see their art. If there, if if that were the case, there would be very little art mm-hmm. because a lot of artists are kind of fucked up. Yes, you know, drugs sure. and alcohol and have moments where their behavior is bad. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is an example of sure. someone who had all sorts of behavior but that, that was, was self inflicted. He wasn't going around jerking off in front of people yeah. and like raping women and then saying your career will well, be over the, if you ever tell anybody. Well. The, that exactly, we know of course. Of. Well, well this is, so this <laughs> right. is the other thing. You asked that there was a certain point with Polanski or Weinstein where it's like, no, you're done. Yeah. You know, and I totally right. agree with that. But I also think, like, take Chinatown. Yeah. He, did he direct Chinatown? Yes. Is it a great film? Yes. A whole bunch of other people worked on Chinatown. Mm-hmm. were perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like, film is a collaborative art. And so, like, you don't go, like, therefore we shouldn't look at Chasing Amy because Weinstein is a monster. You know, right. that's not that's not fair either. It's just interesting that now you can look at it and when the title card comes up, you can be like, exactly, uh, exactly. And to be fair, they had shot the whole film and edited the whole film and produced the whole film before Weinstein ever showed right. up. Weinstein bought it, right. maybe made some edits and then put it up. Right. But that's the thing there. I think there's the separation, you know, right. in, in a lot of things. Yeah. But yes, he is the reason why it was out. And yeah. he is the reason. So you have to uh, mix that on. And, and I push back at people who are like, well, if we ban this, we'll lose their artistry. There's a million motherfuckers right behind the person you're move, removing who are going to get an opportunity to have a shot at filling that hole. Yeah. There, 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 are no, there are no vacant holes that we miss in artistry. It, there's always someone coming right down the pike who can replace that person. And I think we're too precious sometimes about our artists. <clears throat> okay. I agree. Um, and yes, I have a hard time because I like two Chris Brown songs. I really have a hard time. It's my struggle. Well, and I will say something Forever else. Forever is a great fucking story. <laughs> there are, there have been, they've, there's been studies where basically like directors and writers mm. have a magic period. And at a certain point they peak and then they right. go downhill. Absolutely. So you have to sort of realize that 
there needs to be turnover, mm -hmm. whether it's in, I'm not saying that it's good that it's coming in these like incredibly terrifying ways where you're like, oh my God, this person is a truly horrific human being, True. but the world is large and the <laughs> yeah. talent pool is deep and other people who aren't manipulative, devious, right. horrible people should get an opportunity. Absolutely. Agreed. So normally I force other people to do final thoughts before <laughs> me, thus saving myself more time to compose my thoughts. And that's not really fair. So I, I think I'm going to give my final thoughts first and then I'll okay. let you guys. All go. right. So there's something that uh, I've talked about in film school sometimes, which is there's an idea of do we want to, if we want our movies to make a difference and make things better, do we want to model good behavior? In other words, show great people behaving the way we hoped everyone would behave, or do we want to show conflict and bad behavior in order to learn lessons from it. And I think both of them are perfectly good ways to go. When you watch Captain America, you are showing a model of how we think we should behave, mm -hmm. you know? And when we look at Archie Bunker or you look at Banky and you look at a lot of Holden's behavior in this film, you are showing, you're saying, look, here's how people are. People are insecure and angry and conflicted mm -hmm. and they make bad choices and they're insensitive and they, and now you, and look at this and see that in yourself and then that can help you to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that both things should exist. I want a world where we can show the greatest possible versions of people and also a world where we can get into the dirty, filthy stuff about us and talk about it and joke about it and laugh about it and learn from it. And that's what I li really like about Chasing Amy because it does that full on. It goes right into all these issues. It's not afraid of dealing with any of them. It deals them in a really human way. And really the biggest assholes in this movie are the two white guys. So, <laughs> yeah, so true. So like, I like, I really like that a lot. I think there's a lot to learn from it, to learn from it. There's a lot to laugh in it and it's a really fun movie. And it is definitely a movie that's really different in 2018, yeah. but I think still uh, worth watching. What do you think? Uh, all right. Well, all I, I don't know if I could even come close to touching that. All I can say is this is a film that I had a little bit of trepidation to watch again for this podcast because I was not sure it would hold up. I was not sure if I hadn't felt the desire to see it in a very long time. But watching it now in 2018, I will say the film still teaches still has something to stay, still even 21 years later uh, can speak to a certain time in your life and also people coming up now at certain times in your life. If you're a 20-year-old, you're, you're a person in your teens listening to our podcast, if you watch the, maybe you haven't experienced all this stuff, you can watch the movie and have it open your eyes about how how to be emotionally mature, how to handle situations, how to approach things, the cost of not being aware of situations, but also what growing up means and what maturing means. You can't mature without making mistakes, without falling on your face, without like pursuing what you think is right and then realizing it isn't. That's maturity. That's wisdom. And so that's what the film shows. By the end, in my opinion, by the end, I feel like Holden has gotten a little bit of wisdom. Banky is certainly wiser. Even uh, Alyssa is a little wiser about the situation to a degree, because she's recovered and healed from it, from what we see. And so I think there's stuff to explore at certain times in your life. This is a film that if it hits you at the right time, if you're young enough, I think it can speak to you, move you, and maybe even uh, expand your mind about how to approach relationships, and not just dating relationships, but friendships as well. And I look at this movie, and what I see is a really iconoclastic, independent filmmaker who has learned from mistakes 
those mistakes being primarily mall rats and, <laughs> and yes. has figured out how to express what people are showing up for when we see clerks, when we see mall rats, when we see chasing Amy and as a writing exercise, the writing in this movie is not perfect, no. but it is so great to watch, to see the way characters, characters can grow, to see how language can be used in ways that are both poetic and incredibly crass and vulgar and frank and abusive. And I think that it's a film that definitely feels dated, felt much more dated three months after I watched yeah. it than it had even, I probably hadn't seen it in like 10 years. And the last three months have given more perspective than I could have imagined. So it's definitely something that I think you have to take with a very large grain of blunt man salt, <laughs> but it still for me does hold up and there are lessons to be learned in it. And also Ben Affleck, we know him now so well, but to watch yeah. where he started without going Voyage of the Mimi PBS where he started. But like, this is, you see everything about why people would be like, this guy's going to be a leading man. Yeah. This yeah. guy is a superstar in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what we think of Chasing Amy. <laughs> of course, although I'm a little scared, I do want to hear what you think. <laughs> and if you want to share it with us, you can visit us on our Facebook page at The Cinephile, C-I-N-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. Please subscribe to us on all the places you've heard of, the most important being YouTube and iTunes. Leave some comments on YouTube. Leave some reviews on iTunes. Absolutely. We love reading them. If you want to buy the movie, go to our uh, website. We're really proud of it. It's cinephiles.net. You could buy this movie and everything else we've ever reviewed. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? Oh, you guys can always reach me at The Roca Says on Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you want to donate to our Patreon, that's a really big deal. www.patreon.com backslash the top 10. Uh, you, there's, the there's, I'm sorry, the cinephiles. Oh my God, I'm sorry, I apologize. Backslash. What are you talking about <laughs> saying another woman's name in bed? <laughs> That's no better way, Brad, that coming back and biting wow. Anyway, backslash the cinephiles. Please go to that and donate to our Patreon there. And it's been increasing, which we really appreciate. Thank you so much. You know, the cost of the show is so expensive, so we really appreciate you guys uh, donating what you can donate and being patrons, and we enjoy doing stuff for you all. We'll have some more Patreon conversations coming, and also, send us some thoughts that you would like to see from us as uh, tiers or levels or prizes or things you want from us to be to, to for us to do for you as patrons. We are open to it all, and definitely uh, Steve and I are malleable and constantly changing what what works and what doesn't work. So we're figuring this out as you figure this out, just like Kevin Smith figured it out as he was doing the movie. So you know, it just occurred to me on Patreon. We've been thinking about when we should release a, a conversation we already recorded, oh, which yeah? is the A to Z conversation. This is a perfect time. I think the A to Z conversation. Conversation, which is the theory about men and women that yes. we discussed a little while ago. Yes. That's going up on Patreon as soon as we release this. That's perfect. Right. Sasha, if people wanted to reach you on the interwebs, how would they do that? Uh, I'm at Sasha Pearl Raver on Twitter and Instagram. And you let me know what you would do if your significant other was in space. <laughs> you needed to get them back and the fallout you might expect because I feel like we've had some very interesting conversations I would today. definitely <laughs> like to hear that I think that's the next Cloverfield movie <laughs> <laughs> Sasha thank you so so much Sasha, thank you so much for having me such thanks for a coming pleasure. over yeah it's always a pleasure um, and I think that's it for this week we will see you next time on The Cinephiles <laughs>